Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Alex Jones. I've been waiting a long time to talk to you. Anyways, I just wanted to say, um, I remember back in the day, uh, Y2K, the Bill Cooper incident, and you smoking Luis Mejo Rogan. Now you lost your kids, and I'm so happy about that, dude. If I ever seen you in real life, I would smack the shit out of you. I uh, would we'll delay that because we can't have cussing. I've never taken DMT. Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Live and direct right now on the TuneIn radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Go to michaeldeacon.com or endofdaysradio.org for your preferred choice of platform to hear the podcast rendition of the show. My guest tonight is Gary the Mad Martian Legere. He has spent an extensive amount of time researching UFOs and the faces of Mars. Gary believes he has discovered and broken the code of NASA. We will also be joined by Dr. John Brandenburg. Hopefully all that comes together. Once again, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. My soul wants to say hello to all of you out there. Thanks for being here. I really do appreciate all the efforts, especially on a Saturday night. My goodness, I, I really do thank you for being here. Love that. Tonight will be a bit of a rattlesnake. I hope you're ready for tonight. I'll be covering a number of issues here in a moment. Let's bring on our first guest, Mr. Gary Legere. Hopefully he is alive. Gary, Hello. are you there? Yeah, I'm here. We're not live yet, I hope, are we? Yes, we are live. Shit. All right. Let's talk to everybody. It. Hey, Mike. Uh... I don't know what's going on, man, but, you know, steering off the subject, I'm getting people saying it ain't playing, so I don't know what to say here to those people, but, uh, I don't either, this but will that's, be archived. Yes, that's not our, our fault. It's not our, our concern at the moment here. Or uh, your end. Yeah. It's not on your end. All right. I just want to make sure of that. Oh, All no, right. people so, are listening um, fine. I don't know what to say to those people. Perhaps they need to change their browser or, or do something else, but everything's working. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or wait for the replay. It's all good. So, Gary, yeah, well, what's up yeah. with you, man? I haven't talked to you in a while here. 
Yeah, it's been a while, Mike. You it's know, been a long you time. Doing, you know, you see you growing there, ever growing. That's right. The end That's of days. That's how you do it. Yeah. It's upon us. Uh, other than that, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm still uh, on my hunt. You know, what many of you out there know, I'm looking for the faces of Mars. You know, thanks to the investigation encouraged by you know who, many of you. Oh That's my. right, the Richard Sieg. Can you see it now? Homeland. <laughs> yes. But anyway, Gary, wait, wait. Um, before we, it's been a while since we yes. spoke. Gary, before we even uh, get started get here, yes, tell us a little bit about yourself before we we get into these dark matters. But, well, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, I've been in, uh, Mars research. I'm an independent Mars image analyst and Mars researcher since, uh, 1998. Uh, I was taken under the wing of Richard C. Hoagland and for the Enterprise mission in that year, later in that year. Been a honorary member of that team ever since. Um, up until 2006. And basically, you know, I started my own radio show also while, right. um, that became a big part of my life. He took me under his wing and I got, you know, to know a lot more about the people involved that there was such a research uh, into the things that I was investigating and looking into because of the images. Uh, that's, it all falls back to the images of what, you know, got my interest and gets my interest to this and what, you know, caught his attention about me that he thought he would pull me in and, you know, I had my, as I said, I created my own radio show back then, 2001 or two, uh, called the Martian Revelation radio show. And, uh, 2003, I was basically, oh, everything's good, you know, and golden, you know, um, but in 2003, I was anonymously mailed a video disc called UFO Diaries. Uh, and in it, I sat on it for three years. It, but I'll keep it short. It's, uh, has other faces of Mars. Images the public's never seen, given as deep background, deep background for the video. Uh, again, in a video that was not aired in America. Why? Because of secret heads of state. You get it? State secrets, uh, the heads of state, these faces. So, uh, I mean, good puns and they got a sense of humor because it's all in there attached to a code. Now, mind you, uh, in time, this led me in 2006, again, I sat on it three years. I brought it forth in 2006, the whole one's attention. So it wasn't like I crawled out from a hole under a rock. And in sum it up, he encouraged me to investigate further. The investigation led back to him. I got testimony, audio, visual, email, you name it, of producers and other sources that helped put this uh, little puzzle together. And the conundrum down through time and the twilight zone dealing with the code down through time from the twilight zone. That brings us disclosure. Because officially no one's allowed to say anything. So it seems that the IAS army from the past to script me into place and to be a part of an acclamation program that Hoagland actually knows about but it cannot officially acknowledge. And that decided to use me as the monkey in the middle to help bring this play about down through time. Because again, everyone's officialed. No one could, no one could bring forth anything. So that's part of where my work is went and I'm still doing it. Um, but like I said, I'm on the hunt for these faces that's never been published in any Mars, uh, NASA public archive or anywhere else. Now mind you. And the places this did air, uh, it was a video made in, uh, scripted entirely in 90, put forth in 93. It was completed. 94 into 96, it was published in Germany and Russia. Not here. 
So isn't that interesting? Uh, those two places, and who the hell's speeding down my block? Damn it. But anyway, <laughs> I get, yes. um, yeah, this is going to cause a problem. Oh, no. A lot of problems today. And I'd like to give a shout-out to a friend that recently passed. I got some things on my mind. Okay. Uh Jimmy Rittenauer. And uh, the sons may be listening to this. Hold up, boys. Don't worry. The Martian revelation's upon you. We love you. So we're going to help you. And, you know. Just stay strong and everything else will follow. Okay, I'll see you guys later tonight. Now, so back to the track. I'm, uh, being that I'm a Mars image analyst and researcher as well, you know, I study NASA imagery, uh, ESA, which is European Space Agency, or anywhere that gives us a Martian image from any type of mission that we could have publicly have access to, you know, we, I study that and research with that. Cause that's important. Cause it's, it's for comparative analysis, comparative data. And, uh, for, based on for what I'm looking for, that gave me a reason to live life, you know, let alone of a reason to go after someone and using human nature, you know, because of things that was done. I'm not, I'm not going to get into all that today, uh, but you, I'm just trying to tell you a little bit about who I am. And it's out there, Mad Mars, right. you know, Mars Revealer, uh, FacesOfMars.com, TheFacesOfMars.com. Uh, it's some interesting things there. Tolerate it, go through it, take your notes, because, again, this disclosure is upon us, and I'm being used to part of this acclamation based on Brookings. Uh, Hoagland said it himself years ago, under what circumstances will we be presented or withheld <laughs> Trick question. Well, how will be in the future? How will be presented or withheld data, evidence, and information of what they would find out there? Because recommended basically was total suppression. So this acclimation program down through time that I'm involved with, and Hoagland, we won't admit it yet. Not yet until it's safe for him to do so. Uh, we're not going to get into that now either. But just follow my advice right. on that. And and, um, mm-hmm. and here we are. It's now 2017. Uh, my show has not been aired on since the end of 2000. Well, beginning of 2007, when Hoagland and I had to fall in out and my show is destroyed, made homeless, so you tried to have been committed. All this ugly stuff. Again, this is not about, all right, because I'm going to fulfill the model. No need to focus on that human hate uh, because I got a working model. And like Hoagland says, that's what we need is to change the paradigm, to change your consciousness, especially when no one could come out and officially acknowledge things themselves. Yes. So how do they talk to each other about it? They use codes, he says. Now, here I am, 2017. I've been on the show here in the days previous with Mike several times uh, and others getting this story out and in another venue, especially getting it out a lot more where I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm mad and I sound mad, but don't, don't let that fool you. That's only the human nature. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a principal investigator of this investigation for the faces of Mars and this code down through time. However, I'm still using what Hoagland taught me to investigate no matter where it leads or no matter who it leads to. So that's all part of the disclosure process that's coming out until one day he can safely acknowledge the ruins are there himself and thus everything that happened. We all have, we all have an explanation, an explanation for it because of my working model again that I'm putting forth. But aside from that part of the research, you know, I'm still on the hunt. I still got to study Mars, whether there's other faces or not. I still study that surface, and there's a lot more than just faces there that implicates much reason, reasons to look at it and study it. And, and Mike, as you're well aware, you know, um, I, 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 any given time, I bring up this finding, I bring up that finding. They're not all faces. I have pyramids, sure. many type of weird pyramids. Uh, we have arscapes. I mean, 
it's it's incredible where this research goes, and it's time to get back in the seat regards to Mars. Again, my show, what, 2007, beginning was the last one. Mm-hmm. And guess who the last one was with? Richard Hoagland. No. No. <laughs> no. It wasn't. It was with, uh, on WMEL, 9.20 a.m. on the Space Coast in Melbourne there, right on NASA's front doorstep. The only one that could raise that flag there, by the way, was me, and still is, but, uh, because no one's done it since. Mm. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, the guy who's, Dr. Gil Levin was the last guest. Oh, Dr. Okay. Gil Levin. Yes. Now, he was the guy that, you know, that did the experiments for the biological tests for Mars. Precisely. The life on the Viking landers. The yeah. little scooper scooping up the pooper down there, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the foo-foo dust, <laughs> you know, to determine whether or not using different isotopes in different conditions right. to test for life. And he even said on my show, life was determined. The life was found. But the policy of those in the know and those leading it did not want that out. This is the same Dr. Gillivan whose son, Upon the Viking lander images, he noticed that the gain on them was on the colors were turned up. He adjusted it to where we did get image. The public did get to see an image of a blue sky background. Okay, this is Dr. Gillivan's son. They freaked out, Dr. Gillivan said on my show, on that show, that then they coerced him and then had to force him to tell his son, look, you got to play along, put those gains back up. Because now you're making me look bad, basically, and you know, and you know, your your ass is on the grass here sure. too now, because right. uh, your job, and this is where you have to have it. So it was set back up, but isn't that amazing, Mike? And it others, really yes, is. you heard that correct. Yeah. Blue skies on Mars, ice. I heard oh, this they say dry ice could be possible, being shown on the rocks as well, looking white. Now we could call that here as being due. You know, because for all we know it was, but they tell us it's one thing. Again, the sky is red. And every move, every Mars movie you ever see or every Mars image they try to give you, what color is it? What color is the sky always? It's always red. Right. So now from Dr. Gillivan's disclosure there about his son, who had the common sense and balls enough to adjust it to say, hey, let's see what it really looks like. Oh, my God, it looks like this from we here on Earth. You know, it's like, and that's another world away. And that brings in discussions with scientists and interesting conversations of why that sky would be blue and not red. I mean, what conditions makes ours blue? But I heard that, you know, if there's a Nibiru or such an event, which we're not going to get into, I think there may be. But if there are issues that happen or proximity, does, will our skies change? Especially if there is a dwarf, uh, Sister uh, Sun, dwarf star, that might change, give its own hue, that might change our sky. I mean, I don't know. These are good issues and good subjects and good questions, but not for this night. But I'm just trying to bring a point to you on what has been policy and what has been enforced upon those who want to know, like Dr. Gillivan's son. I I commend him. I mean, to me, it would be common sense. My life brought me in front of this multimillion-dollar project. Let me see what the true colors are. Right? And you get scolded. But again, policy. Scientists have to walk a certain way and yeah. deliberate, deliberate with what they're told in order to keep tenure or to have tenure. They gotta play along. Like, uh, you don't know, go against, fight the hand that feeds you type thing or sign your life away in other areas on how they get to keep these things secret. Well, you know, like giving us the Google Mars, that's the Mars we now know. They paint a picture to us as the Mars we now know. What, is that's connected to the color thing because it's all policy. But the Mars they now know looks different. 
The Mars yes. we now know is what we're given, and that's how we are interpreted to see it. But yet, ask anyone with a strong telescope, look at Mars, what color is it? It don't look so red anymore, does it? It looks golden, has purples and greens, and oh my, it, like it's made of some type of metallic, ah, some type of metallic nature. That's it's easier to sculpt for the artscapes in that sense too. But we're all being given a Mars we now know to make it to compare apples and oranges to make it as Earth-like as possible. But that's not the case at all. Why? But yet mission after mission, nation after nation. And these nations are not up to par with really giving us the data that they're acquiring. And especially when NASA has its policy clause inside those organizations. The only one that I think might have stepped out of bounds, which was I also thank them for, is ESA regards to the Mars Express. You see the tattoo. We compare the same images. We can lower the res, though NASA's usually higher. But we see the tattoo. Huh. Why are we seeing all these features in ESAs? That ain't, uh, you know, uh, pixelations. This is data of solid relief that comes through that you do not see in NASA's imagery. Unless they have some type of radar on board, which I believe they do. And forgive my ignorance right now. I don't, I don't remember the name of the type of, uh, spectrometer or radar, whatever that would go through the poo-poo dust when you compare it to Odyssey or Global Surveyor. You can just tell they look different. The things look the same but different. You're getting more relief. And the relief that it shows, let's say, of Cydonia, for instance, itself, uh, the main feature, the main areas that people get so interested in Mars with the face of Mars being there, the mere trick of light and shadow, and it's a it's a conundrum of what is really on Mars. Basically, I, I could go on explaining it, but ESA, I got to commend them again because we're getting details that should not be there that give even more clarity to what we should be seeing in NASA's imagery. Or is it because NASA is lacking something? You know, we need Gary, that. we need radar. Yes, on Gary, let's, we need let's to take a step back right feet, now. A hundred feet, yes. fifty feet. Right, the tattoo will be seen. Gary, so, let's take a step back here okay. right now quickly and explain uh, Brookings to those who aren't exactly in the know of, of this. Right. Okay. Good question. All right. So uh everything else, uh, that was a good roadblock to stop at because I could keep going. Right. As, no, and But there's a lot of it's already covered. But Brookings was a secret government think, think tank. Uh, yes, government, think tank, uh, think NSA. Again, their hands are in everything. In the book I'm writing, Conspiracies for the Faces of Mars, this, I'm opening up with all these stuff where that will get explained and shown to where it will show even back to where Tesla himself with the first face uh, coming through a strip. I, For all I know, this code and everything I'm doing, I'm going to describe now about what Brookings is, and, and for the reason of Brookings itself, to make something like this down through time that I'm explaining this Twilight Zone crap, I'm trying. All right, again, so it alludes to it's a part of something big that was meant to be seen that may go back to Tesla's transmissions. Now, the thing with Brookings was a government think tank. Okay, what to do? What to do when they go out into space, when they get to the moon, Mars, uh, Venus, moon, Venus, Mars, whatever order they, but those three were specifically named. Okay, mind you, everybody, that they will find. Artifacts. And then upon finding them, how should they disseminate that to the people? Notice they said they will find artifacts. 
like they are, are a preconceived idea of knowledge of foreshadowing when we haven't even went that went yet those three in the least well we're gonna find them on the moon mars and venus why those three? The moon, I can say, okay, you know, lots close enough. We see a lot of strange things as it is. The TLPs and all that going on there, which is activity, in my opinion. Not geologic, but anyway, uh, that's for another night. Or maybe for our guest later, since he was a project manager for Clementine. <laughs> I might throw a couple balls to him that way. But uh, he's an honest man, and he's very, very, very intuitive and, and a very interesting, likable person. But anyway, Brookings, so what they recommended was pretty much totally suppression but they knew they couldn't keep a secret forever but because it was the purpose was how to disseminate it to the public obviously there's something of much need that over time has to be done but time seems to be of an essence to where 50 60 70 years down the road from that point remember this was the 50 when they did that all right and then how to disseminate us all well we're getting pretty primed up to all this crap, Independence Day, the fear factors, the goofy aspects uh, of the alien issue. Well, you know, now they're, you know, making, you know, alien probes, the funny, you know, comedy shows. I mean, it's to get in every flavor of every race, of every type of marketing scheme to appeal to, appeal to people. But instead of by selling crap, it's to acclimate you, not the toilet paper. So many of you are going to need it when we find out the full reality of where this disclosure leads us of what we have to be acclimated. But over time, everyone's official. They can't, you can't say nothing. So how do you do it? How do you get this information out there, especially when the military-industrial complex, which was named in the past, obviously became part of the major interests of intelligences to find out what's what. And it's not only to find out what's what's to get what's what and to see who gets what or who gets nothing because that's other technology, whether it's extraterrestrial or whether it's made on earth and found on another planet from previous epochs of human civilization here on earth. Ancient aliens, ancient aliens. Yay. Well, it could be us. They just might not be able to return if they live so long in space. But anyway, or on a different planet, gravity. Any That goes into another set of shows, Mike, and discussions. But the fact of the matter is, because how would they tell someone? Because they knew the religious issues. The, the people would freak out. Look, I'm a Christian. I'm not freaking out. And I say all the more it's important, and it doesn't matter what it shows me. It'll only all lead back to Christ, ultimately, because he's the creator of all. So... In that faith, you can look at stuff like this, okay, because he said he created a cosmos. And uh, Dr. J. Brandenburg will have a nice, very nice little story about what what and where and how that represents. Yeah, the you're going to have to, uh, you're gonna have to explain that to and, me. Well, someone is. That That's interesting, uh, yes. It is. It is because, now look, everyone's official, even him, all right? But there's ways to get the, there's ways to get things out and, but how when everyone's official? Hoagland said it over the years. How do you talk to each other about it if no one knows, you know, no one is allowed to speak about it? Well, you all have bits and pieces. Some do and in, in on the conversation, others who aren't. But the more code pieces, puzzle pieces uh, that you have, you can put it together. Then it'll, you, it'll be like he described it as when you do see it, it'll be like pulling the string of the matrix so or like a Rubik's Cube. When you flip the last piece, everything will make sense. And ta-da, oh, well, yeah, people aren't going to believe that, huh? Well, here's the thing. There, that is able to be done 
And it could be done, and it has been done, because I'm living proof of it. Just one day we'll come to the fulfillment. Mike, you and I spoke about this earlier, kind of. All right, of how this is able to exist and what I'm describing based on Brookings. Because you needed their technology. Okay, whose? Brookings? Well, in order to make something based on Brookings for a later acclimation program of disclosure down through time, without the aliens landing on the lawn, the next best thing, and Hoagland said it over the years, would be through the tetrahedral under the circle, which is what? The sentinel. Arthur C. Clark, basically when scientists in the future, from when something was made, like UFO diaries, go to the moon. Trip over this artifact. What artifact? This, this this shield, this dome with a pyramid inside, which is symbolic. I mean, look at the turnover dollar. Make that connection. All right, now, but it is their technology, and somehow you come into communication with it. Think of that comic, The Face of Mars, back in the 50s. Also, I wanted to jump into Well, that's here. actually the first time that's ever been mentioned. Uh, the first time the, the face was ever was ever uh, put out there, which was kind of interesting, really, that it appeared in a comic book. Mm-hmm. Right. You'd be surprised it wasn't. And I'm putting it down in my book. I'm going to show there were also films and shows before this, Mike. And it all goes back to the Tesla. We have something there that can make a model. Yeah, it seems far-fetched. But get this. What was the sentinel part? Down through time, astronauts go to the moon. Or me going to UFO tires, like trip over an artifact. Yeah, understatement. I trip over an artifact or that astronaut. Like that face of Mars comic. The same yeah, thing. Yeah, 1958, <laughs> by the way, Gary, uh, Kirby Comics. Right. Now, feel me on this. On the Kirby comic, it's the same story as the Sentinel. Astronauts go mm-hmm. there, right? right? They climb the face. The dude falls through the eye. He has a virtual experience of witness things freaking him out. Oh, so seeing these beings with their great structures and seeing an alien race come, and he mm-hmm. thought he was in the midst of it, like going to get shot, but he realized over time, as he's falling through now still, mind you, that he sees all this crap, and there he, he, he notices he's seeing uh, past events, a record of past events, coming into contact with them, but not actually with them, but their technology. Are you following me? Like the Sentinel. Arthur's 2001 model, you know, on a rectangle. No, it was really supposed to be a triangle. Hollywood made him change it to a rectangle. I thought it was for me down through time as a code because right. it's connected. Yes. Because it's in the shape of the UFO Diaries video case. <laughs> so on the surface, he's alluding and part of an acclamation program, too, where he must have knew something that's part of the design of what this acclamation and disclosure will be. Because what is amazing about this is – like this code in UFO Diaries, just like that same story, I tripped over an artifact, and I came into contact with beings, okay, inside the code. Yeah, all right, people, shut up. I know what some of you are thinking. But the others that know my story know what I'm thinking. And those down through time hear me thinking at now at August 12th, 2017. And, Mike, you know why I'm mentioning that. So now I tripped over an artifact. I came in contact with the beings. Boy, information did it yield. My enemy runs. Okay, this is something. All right. But did I come in contact with the actual beings? No. I came in with touch with their technology that they helped these guys here on Earth, this Brooking team. They had to have been on it for the past, went away in the future to try to acclimate us 
to who they are and the disclosure, not just about these faces. This face is the tip of the iceberg. The rest of the surely no intelligent life that could survive their question, when it shows these faces, it's a coded message, it's to ask ourselves, they're asking us to see if we have intelligent life to see what they're saying, and therefore whose technology is it? Not just these Masons that made this where it was filmed, no. They had the who scripted it then? Unless they got a crystal ball that looks down through time. All right, the only thing we could attribute to that possibility is the Roswell crash. Or the actual beings themselves that helped them script this so in the future when this comes out, they don't have to land because they're communicating us via their technology they have seeded around the world. There's time, what is those called, Mike? Uh, time capsules. Time you know, capsules, like yeah. You know what I mean? Right. All right, and then in the future, you would open it. What had a, oh, my God, when I seen this movie, it freaked me out. Knowing. You ever see that? Yes. Was- by, by the way, uh, Gary, I, I just wanted to mention really quickly here, your website. I feel like um back in 1998 when I'm on your blog spot. Come on, don't rub it in. No, I no. like it. It, it takes right. you back it's all right. down all right, in though, time. Because like I said, it, stuff is what it is. It is. It's there, you know. In time, I'll, it'll be more professional. I don't want you I to. I I, I want you to leave it as it is. I love it. Love oh. it. Well, look, I'm look. Another reason why Holden took me under his wings because I was an artist, and he he saw the struggle in me, especially with dealing with these subjects. It would piss piss people off. Oh, how come he's so close to you? They were either jealous or mad, but they tolerated it, and I learned a lot from them, and I appreciate it. And I asked the same thing, but but Holden he. How, how do I explain this? He made it where, like, I go, like, going to school. I wanted to go to class each day. Right. I mean, you know, like, I mean, no, 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 no kidding. The guy is knowledgeable, and it was, it was better than any teacher I ever had. By and the way, you, yeah, you talked to, uh, Mike, think about it. Yes. You, you talked to, me, yeah, you talked uh, to Richard recently, by the way, right? Well, to give an update on that, though, I didn't want to make tonight about that. Yes, I did. Yeah. I called. I called into his show, The Other Side of Midnight, on June 4th, and I think that was one of his inaugural shows after a while, and he was surprised. Get this, people. He actually called me his friend. Really? <laughs> and I said, what? Yeah. I was like, what? you just say that on the air, you know? I mean, your friend? And he's like, uh, he sounded happy to see me. But then I found out why, which I'll explain in a minute, because obviously this must have been going on with the synchronicity he was trying to bring forth in code and on the surface, even of what they were talking about, of the synchronicity of it. But I'll leave to that in a minute. But then I said to him, you know, I didn't want to lie to him. I said, look, man, I'm not your enemy. I said, I learned a lot from you over the years. And I figured I'd be diplomatic, you know, approach it different. Because I really do want, despite how nuts everything else is and and the illusion and the sideshow impressions this gives everyone, and Mike Vara knows what I'm talking about there, about sideshow, I want to know, as a teacher and as the friend that I was, that he was to me, despite me being who I am, look. I admit, I'm a, I'm a kid. I, brought, I was brought up in the New York streets, you know, and then I went to South Florida, and my life led me to Central Florida as if I was supposed to be there, to the Sea of Reeds, which is on the Space Coast, and they know what I'm talking about, where the landing pads are at, to where I was destined to 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 come out of those weeds, to set up a flag there for the Martian revelation, to become a beacon of something I was trying to create for our future, and a vision I had and still have. Now, this man... 
tolerating me. Okay. And I mean, come on, you know, he's a smart guy. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not kicking my own ass, but I'm, I'm not stupid, you know, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm not the dumbest. I mean, and I listen, I would pay attention to things he would say. I mean, Understood, you know, yes. right. Right. Especially with these subjects. And I was, you know, I felt luck, lucky to find out anything because again, it's connected to my work. So I was starting to get all sorts of answers, but yet the more answers I got, the many more questions I had. And I know he was frustrated with me at times, but hopefully now in time, he might come to understand and see my working model and then see my mindset of what I learned from him, of what he had taught us all, what life really is. And it's actually helping him. I'm helping him. Though at first I was doing what I was doing these recent years to hurt him because it's the only way without, you know, going to jail or anything. But the thing is, he he's explaining it himself and he helped even in that process help explain to me of what has been going on and how I'm even in fact doing it and bringing it out. And this goes back to times even when he was on my show. I would have to go back and re-listen to because he left little treasures there, little riches. You get it? His name is Rich. He left little riches knowing <laughs> Knowing Mike and others that in time I would go back and listen to and he would have the hope and he also had a feeling I would win something that my voice was going to be at the head of this wave of and I was me and him and me unknowing was part of some acclimation program and that my voice was going to be at the head of this wave. And what has he been saying the past two years, that there's a new wave of consciousness going on? Well, if I'm at the head of that wave, who's the only one that's been seeing his code for how many years now? And he's still trying to get it out there to everyone, though not acknowledging it. Remember, everyone's official until it's safe to be seen, till it can be safe to officially acknowledge it himself. That's my fault. That's my problem to help you people see it so then you guys can help him make it safe so he can acknowledge it. All right, but that's the thing here because it's based back to Brookings. Who helped these Masons make this thing? How did I get scripted into something that I thought was my own steps? Which means what? It's This disclosure isn't just about these faces. It tells us who owns them. Obviously, the Masons. The Masons are saying they own Hoagland, too. Uh, but, you know, that's part of their kick in this. Look, look, that's between them. I don't want to mess with nobody, but I've been messed with. But one thing I'm clear is that I'm seeing Bible-type, God-type technology here in this code. And what I've been uh, addressing and trying to address and stay sane now over with, because there's communication inside. Thus, Hoagland's model of the Sentinel, so many things, when, like Hoagland said, when you pull that string of the Matrix, it all begins to make sense. When you flip the last piece, the puzzle, oh, you, you finished it. Ta-da! You know, it's for a point in the, that was, again, Brookings, under what circumstances? And it was under the script, un, under, under what? Under a whole lot of things, but pun intended, it's underneath something that needs to be dug out, like an archaeologist to dig out this pyramid, you get it? And then so we can get inside? All right, now think about this. So I dig it out, I trip over the artifact, I, fi- I tried to learn the Swahili it's throwing at me by breadcrumbs over the years. And it connects, oh my gosh, to Mr. Selye's words. Oh my gosh, to Mr. Shackleford's words. They were coding all over to me. And obviously, like he said that night, I'm speaking to you at 3.30 in the morning, which we were at that time. And obviously, I'm still talking to you this minute at night. And I kind of felt like like it was insulting me. because, But he was until I became in the day. Now I'm in the new dawn of a new day, you get it? Uh, 
I'm not, then we understand it. I could put his words together where they need to be, and Hoagland has the same script. That's the thing here. Hoagland has the same script, and you want to know what the clincher is, everybody else? Hoagland connected to it. He just, by what it was telling me, I didn't believe it. I did when he said it was lying, and they were lying, and believe my new friends now? Think about this. So, who helped create this for Brookings for a future point? We are to know this information of where we're still in the process, Mike and others, of the time capsule fully becoming aired out to get in the air, open air. Get it? A lot of pun- – and as a broadcaster, Mike, I think you would understand because you would send the message and then it would be received. <laughs> and it becomes like a play on sports. Uh, you throw a ball. and But there, this code described it like there was an, eagle, an illegal player on the field who is, like, trying to catch you. Uh, Gary, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I, I believe someone is calling in right now. No, no, we can't no, have no you don't wanna... until we have Dr. J. Are you serious? This has got to go in the flow. i got some things to bring you up. you got some yeah, things in the flow? Bring... You don't want to answer this call? No, no calls, no bro. Calls? No calls till like, uh, the second hour with Dr. J. That's very important. And I'm sorry, people out there, but this ain't time for that now. And we're not going to be thrown off track by any minions that may want to have something to say as if they could debunk this without backing it up with data, which I do. Well, That's you know, I, I have a feeling you might have been right about that. Uh, I do know lots of um, Mr. Richard Hoagland's marauders are out there, and they're they're tuned in listening. Maybe we could give Mr. Richard Hoagland a phone call. No, 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 no? not yet, bro. You don't want to give him right? a phone let's, call let's, later? Let's play this. Let's play this cool, all right? Oh, no, play the cool. Way it must be done. So I don't know that now game. With, Sorry, go ahead. Like, screw them, all right? Uh-huh. No offense, guy. Screw them, all right? Uh, they'll have they'll respect that if they call in, then we know then the disrespect. Right. So, all right, and we're not here about disrespect. I'm here trying to put something together to help people see something that was meant to be seen down through time, based on Brookings that was made for us because total suppression was basically everyone's official. No one could say or do anything. Uh, but how do they speak to each other? Like, even if they have bits and pieces, when they do speak, like Hoagland and a uh, certain radio show host, they might have bits and pieces they can know. But, and, or like, like B. Wells, he knew something was going on. He knows they were speaking to somebody out in the millions of audience, calling that audience one person. Knowing that, and he was really trying to follow Richard. I know John B. Wells is a very smart guy. He's a very smart guy, and I wanted it, oh, so bad to talk to him, and I still do. But look, but again, back to the working model. Because this all fits, and this is the model I have. And when I called in on Hoagland's show, I let him know. And I said, look, I'm not your enemy. I learned a lot from you. And then he laughed. Like, he, he, like he wasn't surprised. I was like, is that funny? I learned a lot from you. I'm not your enemy. I, I said, what I really want to do is discuss the science. The science is more important to me than these faces. I said, important because th- those faces, even one of them would just validate everything my work does. But – being able to discuss about the science, that would mean understanding the technology and also believing the other source of who helped gave it to us, those who helped create it, those who have the ability to look through time and to also steer your footsteps you think are your own, and it was really written beforehand. That's what this is about. That's the bigger disclosure. Someday, he says in that video, we may discover that we are the Martians after all. I'm up at that point now, again, August 12, 2017, to where that face of understanding is coming through. And it does bother me. But I'm still Gary Legere. All right? I know who my parents was, who my mom was, who my dad was. Okay? 
But as may have, I may have another father out there. Let's just sum that up to what that means. Because Hoagland says someday we may discover that we are the Martians after all. Isn't it funny, this code, as those who helped create it, as I got better and it's basically like a signature, they might as well come out. Hey. I, of course, you're not running through a hole in the body of your wall in the shape of your body in the wall. You stayed with us. You didn't give it up and just thought of us as evil. You're asking yourself questions, question after question, questioning your sanity. You know, uh, if we were enemies, why would we want to show you all this and teach you or even and teach you a language telling me that this is how worlds communicate? Teaching me this is how worlds communicate, calling me ambassador. Wanted me to give a couple messages to the U.S. government, one which I did, all right, openly, about laughing about how they're spending billions on uh, radio telescopes, radio astronomy, to catch an alien signal. And yet, here they go. They sent the they, – they, they scooped one by into your nets because here I am as proof of it, delivering their message. You don't need that. You're spending money on something the which – the technology is already here and their presentation. It just has not been fully uh, – the time lapse, the, the time capsule is not fully off yet. We're in the process of that pill as it was, uh, uh, a pill that slowly degrades over time to get its full effect. No, don't use drugs. Smoke a bone. That will help you. But, no, don't use drugs. And this is not drug encouragement. This is something serious, an analog, analogical scientific progress here. Very serious, yes. <laughs> The pill, the pill dissolves, and then you get your full effect of whatever is pain or to help your heart or help whatever. At some point, this time capsule, a pill release disclosure, will be at its point where it has to be. And I hope it's at a point when me and Richard, without all the crap, though much of it's deserved but based on human nature, but looking past that, if I'm more intelligent enough, I can, and I know what the more important issue is, is coming into contact that we are not alone in the universe. Mr. Hoagland said that to me on my show as well. Isn't that funny? Uh yeah, you, you know, Gary, it's, I'm sorry to I'm sorry to stop you there, but I must ask you really quickly here, Gary. You, you know, you you had a, a very strange relationship with uh, Richard Hoagland, and I, I won't get too far into that, but how you could possibly forgive him for how you can possibly forgive him for what he has done to you is kind of astonishing to me. And if, if those things are true, I, I'm just blown away. Look, he teaches me something in this code to which help help make things a little bit better because it made me want to believe in him more because we were at a point where he knew by the the videos and Mike, you've seen some of those videos I make I where have, I got yes. him leading the way. Right. Uh, he says certain things in it. Only I could know, like he was really managing me, but to succeed that. And then, and, and he taught me early on and which I didn't look at was the human nature. How do you get someone to stay on your butt? I mean, no matter what it is, you mess with that person and or his family, destroy his life. That's a way you would have someone on your case, is it not? So they knew what would it take to get someone to stay on their case when they wanted out. Remember, if Hoagland's NASA in code, which he is, I'm NASA, you're not. We got him saying it. He always says, oh, there's a war on the inside of NASA. One side wants the truth out, one side don't. Why is it dark mission? Why is everything attributed to the Force, like Star Wars? Because he's uh, Darth Vader. His name is Dick Hoagland. Therefore, I think of Count Dooku. Count Dooku. Count Dooku. Because <laughs> that's what he's been doing to me. And right. it's all over the years. However, knowing that at some point he will be seen, 
And he knows that because that's the guy in charge on the surface. But like Darth Vader, he has Anakin really trapped inside. And Anakin was the one that was needing to come out to have, to, so he could have his soul, so he could he could be free, right? And who needed to be done? Who who is needed to help him do that? His son Luke. Isn't it funny? Hoagland also called me on more than one occasion as being like a son to him. When Richard said at the 2013 conference panel that out. Oh, Gary is uh, just a misguided missile fired off by the bad guys, by the dark side. Right then and there, he confirmed, I got my Star Wars little connection, Mimi, here. You know, because, look, I'm going, I'm using breadcrumbs. And over these years, the, the, the message has gotten a lot clearer. And it's becoming a lot more paintable. And Hoagland in time has also, because he's seeing where I am, he's giving me info. And he's giddy himself because he says, there's two roads to take. One was the court. But will that... You know, human nature, and like you said, the forgive thing. I don't know about forgiving. Maybe that's what it is. All I know is that there's a more important thing here. Richard once told me famous people or people of very important don't have time to play games. That was especially true of Mr. Selye, and I thought that used to be true of Hoagland. However, where it comes to this, the Hoagland that I'm painting, the Hoagland you see in my videos, Mike, that's the guy I knew. The guy on the surface now totally acts different, doesn't he? He slanders me. He does everything he can, like saying, Gary, take me to court. But yet there was this one part where Hoagland goes, there's two roads. And he was very excited because he says he seems that things are going, the, the right breadcrumbs are being followed to a future where everyone's happy. That would include him. And if I went to court, everyone wouldn't be happy. And if I went to court, yeah, maybe I'd get uh, some recompense, but this ain't about money for me. Or I would have took that path, wouldn't I? That's the dark path. Sure. I decided that's the ball's path. But you because would, to you... see, the model I found, Mike, and mm -hmm. others still leads me to where I would give all that fortune up. Look, I could sue coast to coast. I could sue Hoagland. I could sue others for the slander. And Hoagland being their science advisor, boy, that was a golden carrot, and I passed it up. Why? Because Hoagland himself said, and which, while being giddy, uh, from a show with B. Wells, he coded this, believe it or not. I painted it. So it's out there, people. You just have to learn to see it and believe it. What will make you believe it? When he's, when it's safe for him to release one day, but he needs your help too, to help him do that. Not just mine. I have to help you see it, and then you people have to have the balls to ask him. And then it could be come out, and he won't feel psychologically alone. Remember when he said that to B. Wells? And then he says he could come out then and acknowledge the ruins are there himself. Those were his exact words. Even on the surface in that show, I just knew how to use it because of what he's telling me. And therefore, I, I knew by what I was following by these breadcrumbs, Mike and others. I know I get so loud. I'm passionate about this because it's so freaky. It's so crazy. But yet, what else could explain it? Especially yeah, people when we don't got want you to. A lot of it. Yes. He's yes. explaining himself. And I'm, I can't make stuff like that up. So, therefore, I choose on the side of finding out what's more important. You know, setting up the researchers to destroy their present jobs, which, <laughs> you know, let's not get into. That was all part of it. For something more important, he said, for the discovering that we are not alone in the universe. And for my voice to be at the head of this wave of the, whatever it was supposed to be of this acclamation program that I, that he even admits well, uh, that's part of his and that we're, uh, God forbid, he said, you know, sorry to say unsupported. And it's like he knew. He knew. And he knew what I would do. And he would have hope. Look, you ever see Willy Wonka in a chocolate factory? Unfortunately, I have. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. All right. All right. But when we were kids, we loved it. You got to admit. Sure. <clears throat> but now, story. What if 
And why do I attribute to what's going on here is something like that? There's one problem, though, and I said this to someone else privately. Only a couple people I've told. What if this is like, instead of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, this is Richard Hoagland and the Sidonia Factory? <laughs> yes. Uh, here's, a, here's a problem, though. How did Charlie win? Remember, he was given something by Slugworth, this evil dark dude. He was given something by Slugworth. The, what, the, the everlasting God Stopper? Isn't that funny, huh? God mm. Stopper. <laughs> yeah, this will stop more than one God. But I'll say this. Uh... He was given somebody, just like I was given something. Mr. Sellier said himself, when I said this to him, Mr. Sellier, sir, I know this might sound nuts. No, 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 he says. And I said, well, I, this code may be a Trojan horse. And he laughed and he goes, that brings satanic things, Gary. I said, huh? He goes, that brings satanic things to this. If this code's a Trojan horse, what side of the force, that force again, Star Wars, what the hell's going on? Yeah, Gary, what you should probably of- mention who Sellier is really quickly here. I, I will. But let me say this. He go said, ahead, what ahead. side of the force gave this to us? Meaning he was acknowledging my question. The force, what side of the force, Gary, gave this? What? This code you're alluding to that gave this to us, meaning that something was being given to me as well as has been given to him. Now, who's Mr. Sellier? Grizzly Adams Productions, the man who made Grizzly Adams, the man who is behind many of the PAX TV shows and religious shows, Miracles and Other Wonders, and all these other biblical shows, who is a Christian himself with a struggle life of trying to find that road in Christianity of what Jesus' truth is, from even Mormonism. But he, he got out of that, and he's, he was led to the light. Therefore, what side of the force gave this to us? He's trying to also tell me, well, he obviously he says everything he does, which would mean now me looking back down in time, whoever gave this to him, he goes that my work, you know, I, I attribute everything I do and I attribute to Jesus that everything that I'm able to do is because of him. Now, boom, what side of the force gave this to us? I'm thinking, okay. And then he goes, my day starts at three 30 in the morning. He was trying to tell us he's a 33 degree Mason. I then, but he was obviously talking to me that minute at night. <laughs> I was in the dark, but now I'm in the day, and I understand. And then he goes, I said, well, sir, Mr. Uh, Mr. Salier, uh, no offense, please don't be mad, but uh, are you a Freemason? He goes, no, I'm not a Freemason, but I'm relatively inexpensive. <laughs> he's not a Freemason, but he's a Mason. Get it? He is inexpensive. He was relatively. Now, look at that word, relatively. He you look when Mr. Hasselier speaks or scripts anything, that's how this code is all done. Mr. Hoagland is trained or a part of this team that knows this lingo, and so are some others. Hoagland says even some of these radio show hosts have it. I still want to give him a call, by the way. It's almost time for his little program to begin. I I feel like giving him a call. I really would, but you know what? I don't want to step on our friend, and I still got a couple things to talk about. I'm sorry, Dr. J. I know you're there listening. I'll let you kick me in the ass later. Uh, but I'm, go- I'm going somewhere with this, with these articles. It's a must in order for you to be on. But just to tidy up this part with me and Mike. So I'm doing Hoagland a favor as part of an acclimation program to get this truth out there. When I called in, he also said, isn't it kind of, oh, he said that he'd be willing to talk about it. 
I said, really? I was like, did you just say that on the air? Because he had some other guy on there, too, who says, yeah, I'll be on there, too. Now, I don't know him. It wouldn't be with him until unless he shows me he's at the same level or somewhat I am in order to be in that conversation between Richard and myself. Because this subject. Yeah. No disrespect to that host. Mm-hmm. Not calling he's dumb. He's just out of the loop to where Hoagland said, we'll talk about it. I said, wow, great. And then basically when I hung up, he said, wow, well, you know, what other – isn't it? So it's not a coincidence, he says, well, how synchronicity it is that out of all the millions of people, thousands of people on the planet that was trying to contact him through Skype or whatever, having all those issues that night, that the only person that could get through was my only friend. I mean, was only my friend, Mad Martian. And he goes, there's got to be some type of meaning behind that. You know, and it's pretty, whoa. And but that was after I hung up. I had to listen to the clip to hear that part. But he wasn't surprised. It's like he knew I was going to call in. That's what I am saying about this this code thing. It's a working model. And if he was managing me to help me do this because he can't explain it to me, and I was trying to get help from him, believe me, and from the uh, producer himself who I might have accidentally had killed because I kept calling him and he didn't want me to even the five hours before his death. That's on me. You Mr. had him Sully. killed. And I owe him a lot for that. And I owe you people a lot for that. Because that would have shown he had foreknowledge of what was going to happen to him. And he didn't stop it because whatever this is, is more important than that. And it was something important that had to be done. He he helped save me and my family. So when you ask me who's Mr. Selye to people, Grizzly Adams, Grizzly Adams Productions. But to me, he's much more. To my family, he's much more. I'm here now alive because of the help the limited help of what he could do, and that was barely legal, it seems, to help me survive to where he encouraged me. I'm willing to investigate this further to see what we can find. In fact, everything I'm saying now, he would not disagree with. And he said, in fact, Gary, if there is, in fact, a code, wink, wink, then we just got him from all the normal sources. Which was that? He taught us. It, it was filmed in a Masonic Lodge. There's a big source this would be connected to those images. Uh, and there's a story behind that. That's for another show. And to NASA. Why? Especially if they own NASA. <laughs> Therefore, NASA is theirs. Uh, the images are theirs. And Hoagland is NASA. Guess whose ass is theirs, too? And that's also part of the thing. Look. How can I forgive? This goes back to your question. How can I forgive him? I don't know if I am, but maybe it's a process to where in time, there's a lot of biblical type weird things, attributions he had to live through as well. Look, if I sin against a man and do what human nature dictates, which many of you would certainly hopped on long ago, trust me, you would have been in prison or shot by the cops. Okay. But there was a smarter way. There's some other way. And that and Hoagland, I think, seen that in me. And I'm not speaking for him now because I, I know what the man says about me on the surface. Okay? So this sounds totally different, doesn't it? You know, but that's why I need all your help. But I would love to have that discussion with him just based upon my working model, which is a working model of science. We got a mathematical problem. We have an alien artifact <laughs> in more ways than one. Okay, because it was help created and the faces, those alien artifacts. And it's a mathematical problem built into a code to help us locate those things, let alone to jump on the train for the rest of the breadcrumbs to lead us down through time where this disclosure has to lead us only if you have balls. Because if you are on no balls, no one's going to come out and, and give it to you because they're all officialed. But if you do and you stay to this, which I have, look, 
I have pretty much good confidence and faith that I'm going to make it at the end of this. I'll be validated. And like I, oh, that's the important thing. Why I mentioned about Hoagland's show. I said to Hoagland, I've learned a lot from you over the years. Even more so now about do, working with my working model. I said, Richard, you must know what I'm talking about and see my current work. So I'm at a point, I, I want to talk to you about this. Never mind what you did. Never mind the politics, who did what to who, and the time frames and all that, the timelines and all that. And he was right there, too. Oh, my God. I just realized that. I mean, there's so many connections. And he's probably laughing because I'm getting it. The Matrix is coming and being pulled apart. The last piece is getting flipped. And, and I said, Richard, in fact, I, I'm validating your work. And that's when he laughed giddily again. Not like, hey, hey, yeah, right, but <laughs> like, I love it. And and I don't know. I know him. I know his. I know how he laughs. What, what's a mean laugh or a, or an evil laugh or something that he's happy about? You know, I knew him well enough. All right. Uh, so he is therefore. Damn, I lost his brain fart, but it's very important to this whole thing. I got to get into these articles. But the thing is, he acknowledges that when. Damn it. Sorry, Mike. What was the last thing I said? I'm still thinking about my buddy who died. Uh, sorry. Yes, I, it's been a very hard evening for you. I know this yeah, sudden loss I tried to have this all out right and do it, but I got so many things on my yeah, mind. Yeah, I understand. So, um, so regards to Ho- Hoagland, would be all kidding? Oh, then he goes. Yeah, yes. Uh, I, I said to him, I validate your work. And I said, but the thing is, in order to do that, you have to validate mine. And that's what I said. I want to talk. And then he said he's willing to talk about it. And I said, "Why did you just say you're willing to talk? Are we on the air? Uh, You know what I mean? I was like, oh, wow. And he said, yes. So I want to put that clip up for everyone to hear because it's evidence now. Finally, he's willing to talk about it. But I, like I said, look, I'm just trying to be diplomatic. I'm not your enemy. I never have been. But I got to be. I can't let you punk me like that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're who you are. I am who I was. If my show was to fail... The Martian Revelation. Again, I was no Art Bell. I'm not like some great host that every like Alex Jones, like, you know, come see me. I'm just me. And with a guy with a vision that, well, supposedly it was my own creation, but if it's scripted, so be it. You know, but it was still mine. And I had civil rights, right? Just like you do, Mike. That's what gives you the ability and the rule of law to allow you to sit here and talk about this now is your civil rights. Would you agree to that? Sure. Now, if your show fails, would you rather fail knowing that, okay, you, you it was yours, you know, you, you're happy with it, whatever happens, it goes, you know, granted, it's not, it, it's not gonna fail, Mike, and I already told you, but, for the sake of argument. Oh, it hasn't failed yet? Let's it, say it if it failed. fails, wouldn't you rather it be on your, on you? Whether it's health issue or just something you get tired of or, or just something that might, you know, it's you. You know, it's fine. A guy can live with that. But when it's some other guy, and a guy who takes you under his wing and calls you like a son and then tries to make you homeless and what she does and then, you know, tries to have you committed, destroys your radio show and wants you to drop this after encouraging you to investigate it. Mike, tell me what you would be feeling. You know, it would be, it has, let's put it this way. He had no right. No one has a right to do that to you to destroy your show, to do whatever it is you guys do for work out there. Anyone, how would you feel? Terrible. It would be not good at all, especially his actions on you. You'd be living in North Korea, or you'd be living in Iran, or some Islamic shithole. You know, where you get your hands and heads cut off for even having a brain opening a book other than the Koran. Crappy little book of hate. And isn't that funny? People just own a tidbit. Recently, they released a fatwa. 
You know what that is? An edict, a new law about Mars. They have a fatwa against Muslims living on Mars. And I say, you know why? Because they can't get there to blow it all up. It predates Islam. There's no way they can do that to here on Earth in statues, try to enforce that by the sword and by blood on this planet. And But how can they really erase the past? And when something's dug up, like the Bosnian Pyramid, they're going to have a hard time blowing that one up. But I'll tell you what. Isn't it funny, Mike? They, uh, a fatwa uh, disallowing Muslims to live on Mars. And get with, Guess what their main reason is? What's that? That is suicide. And to them, get this on everybody else, <laughs> to them, killing oneself is against their law. <laughs> really? Teach that to the, to the so-called radicals from the same crappy little book of hate. But that's not what this show's about. Not tonight. It is part of end of days. And Mike will learn to see that soon. But I'll tell you, it is part of the end of days. But that's not part of tonight's show. I just thought I'd throw that out there because... Things are so desperate, and I want to get on with the news because Dr. Jay's waiting. There's things I want to bring up, uh, is, but Brookings is connected. Mike and I could have future shows to talk about more of this in depth. If Mike, if you're okay with that, moving on, unless you have a question you want me to, uh, you know, answer or something. I'm sorry, everybody else, about this. I have, uh, I, we should have been well past now. I, I, I got a lot of crap on my mind, but the show must go on because it's bigger than me. And I don't want to embarrass Michael or even Dr. J. Both of you are doing so much and are part of the Martian revelation in more ways than one. And I am working on to try to get that back on the air this year. The Martian Revelation radio show comes again. And Mike, I believe you offered me a possible situation to how that might be able to happen and any and all help is needed incredibly and wanted and appreciated and uh, i'm not going to tell you you're going to make a million bucks with me but i'm going to tell you this i'm going to help bring you to disclosure because someone picks somebody down through time to bring a message from the twilight zone i got to help you all see so that's why i got to finish this so whether you believe it or not the outcome will show and that yeah we're not alone the martians are real they're there and all the more so, we're going to find out of what's there. Uh, Mike, before I go on, do you have a question? Uh, um, if I interrupted you, I am sorry throughout this time. I have a habit of doing that to you and Mike Vara, and I apologize to him all the time, too. I'm just curious if you would actually go and testify against Richard Hoagland if, if that ever happened. What? Would you ever take him to court, in other words? Let's put it this way. I would have done that a year and the year before that with what you see I got. Uh, that's able to do it. Money grows on trees here in Colorado. Yes, but do you, do you believe you would have enough evidence to put him away for the things he did to you? I've had enough, let's put it this way, that time. That's that some time, serious some serious allegations there, Gary. Yeah. Well, you heard him on coast. You heard him slander me publicly, that right? That too, yes, that too. But if he really did try to get you committed under false pretenses, Gary, that that's a serious offense. It's one that I was told that I could draw me six figures. That's real. That's maybe real seven. stuff. That's maybe, real shit right there. Maybe seven. Now, talk about a golden carrot. Or what's more important? Look, I was told long ago. By Mr. Sellier, I gotta have faith and I gotta believe. And I, I kept the way he was saying that to me a couple of times, like sooner or later I'd get it. And I do get it. There's something more important than the money, than the mammon. There's something more important that I need that's, it fell on my lap. If I, I'd be going against God. I need God. If this is from Satan too, I, all the more I need God behind me. With, I don't need a manifestation. I've seen, I've 
had manifestations from him because of the faith. But I'll tell you what, that's not what I was looking for. And I'm not looking to test God or, or whatever. I need his help because he sees that I'm dealing with something that's higher than human. That, and so I, I'm just going to have faith that he's – because, look, I'm still alive. Hoagland must have been pulling the white hairs out of his head over the years. How does he keep doing this and showing up? I can't find him. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, well. On the surface, he has must have fear. And so are those that are keeping this all secret from you all. The Mars they now know is not the Mars we now know. The Mars we now know is not the Mars they now know. Okay? Now, get this. So, uh, what was your question again? I was wondering if you would actually take one Richard Hoagland. But it goes, again, I yes. got poor Jimmy. Uh, but the, I would take, yes, I would. I really, really would. And if it comes down nature, to it, yes, look, if it look, does I, come I, down I to it. I have a right to. I have a right to. It's a, my civil right to also go to court. As much as it is my civil right to have my radio show and not be his civil right to, t- to take that away from me, just like the court. But he, look, I, I put it out enough already for him to try to get me in the court. If this was supposed to go to court, don't you think by now, and people asked him this already, why hasn't he had me arrested? Why hasn't he brought me in the court? Because he knows damn well I got the evidence, and I could file motions the way the judge will want to know about his days in UFO diaries. And you think that he's going to be able to say plausible deniability? No. I'd have them by the balls. I'd have people out there that if I was already told they would show up, there would be documents with signatures from certain individuals that provided things in the past that could be shown at such a hearing. It would all turn into a farce. It would turn into an exposure to destroy him. I don't want to destroy my enemy. This technology, yes, this technology I got, this code described to me as a dog, being a dog who has not asked permission who was thrown into a pit while others are surrounding the outside of the pit. He was thrown into a pit with an older, wiser dog. But this younger dog who was thrown into a pit without his permission, who was stunted by falling on the inside, noticed that the dog, older, wiser dog, kept looking something between me and himself. Something shiny that this monkey had to grab onto. At this point, I realized this. Uh, this code was basically alluding to me as primitive. Therefore, I'm the monkey in the middle. More ways than one. I grabbed something shiny because my enemy was looking at it. And only one of us is walking out. I was just code and explained it. I got the gist. That, that, you know what that something shiny was? This code. Now, one dog's walking out. Uh, But yet, remember that movie Planet of the Apes with Marky Mark? Did you see that one? Again, unfortunately, I did. <laughs> All right. Remember, he picks up that where Charlton Heston was actually his father. Yeah. And he was saying about the danger. Yes. And then, and he said the father pointed before he died. He pointed at that red tank. Take it, son. The son picked it up because he knew it had power inside. Break it open because that was always there was something rumored inside that would that would give him so much power over everyone else. What was it? It was a fossilized gun. Isn't it funny? Richard Hoagland says on the air, I threatened to blow his head off with a 45, which I never did. He said that. Now, think about this. Now, when I elude this code and me trying to see what's inside it, I don't want to be General Thade. I don't want to. You know what Thade wanted that thing for. And then when he got to find an actual newer model from Marky Mark, and then he was pointing it at himself, that's me, too, with this code. I was pointing it at myself early on, trying to figure out what the hell it is I'm dealing with. And Hoagland also warned me of it back then, looking back. But then, what did they, what did they do? He realized, hey, this meant to be pointed. Let me see what happens if I point it at you. 
And what did he do? He pulled the trigger. What happened? Marky Mark got so slick, he slammed down that force field real quick. The bullet was shooting around in the room. And like a monkey, he kept shooting and jumping around. More and more bullets. He got so scared, he wound up under the desk while all the bullets are whizzing and pinging everywhere, right? Yes. I don't want to be Thade. Thade wanted to use it for evil purposes. Now, if I use this code to take advantage, though, it's always an art of war, one would. It would be wise. But... If you're a decent person, knowing that this weapon, the older dog, which obviously is Hoagland, he knew that if I seen this, he had to do something. What could he do? Because once it's in my power, he's discovered. Get it? Because he's undercover. And this code said it was to discover him and to unman him. Michael, everyone else, how do you unman somebody? Can you become a, ch- can you become a child again? No. So how not. do you become an unman? You're a dead man. And I said, uh-oh. And I got scared for this. And I warned Hoagland, I don't want to use it to do that to him. I, I, look, I didn't want to jump on this, but just to finish up your question, because I want him to know too, all right? I'm not his enemy. If anything, you know, he was my best friend. So I don't know what the hell, unless looking at all this and looking at how he explains it and how I've been painting it and how I've been coming more and understanding what this invisible college is able to do and to teach people, I'm, I'm proof of it. But am I a Manchurian candidate? Because I'm not going to use it as a weapon to kill him. My mom raised somebody better than that. I may have grew up in the streets of New York, and I've been through a lot of things. And it helped me survive in other places. And even out here. But I'm not a scumbag. I'm not going to use that to hurt somebody else. Because then what? Why? how or why would I expect God to help me? Especially if this is satanic. You people have to see my logic here. All right? While staying sane, yes, I'm a Christian, but I'm not stupid. Okay, I, I know how to use this weapon to wield it enough to where I look at it, it'll draw my enemy out. And it seems that's the right way because he's happy within these paintings. Though he's kicking his own ass because he wants it even available to be seen to you. That what he's doing on the surface has to be done. And he's not alone. This is how, that's why we needed this Brookings program. That's why he stressed over the years about the sentinel of uh, Arthur's model, thus also the Face of Mars comic, to get a secret history of NASA. And this, in this title, becomes a much far di- more different meaning than the title he had, didn't it, for his book. Yeah, on the surface, he made money from it. It told of an interesting story. But yet there's a darker, more behind the surface, uh, which he says, anyway, meaning to it all, to be seen. And then when we see it, ta-da, then you people see it, ask him about it. Then it's psychologically not alone anymore. He could out, he'll be safe to come out and acknowledge it himself. Now, what's the proof of that? We're still waiting for it, and I need all your help. Now. Mike, did I answer that good enough for you? Because I'm not sure if I did, but I don't want to carry on with this. Again, Dr. Yeah, Chase out there, yes. and I want to read about these articles uh, because I'm talking about the Muslims. Isn't it funny? All these people in the past few years since my show has been on, things have only been getting hotter, hotter, baby, for the Mars research. Not less. It, you know, they're pushing it like more geeky, more, not as not as loud, but it, though the technology they're giving you is loud, and so is the song and the dances that come with it, a policy. But once you know how to see through this crap, you know what's political and what they're really trying to tell us. Like, for instance, Mike, do me a favor. Uh, can you play... Uh, let me see. Uh, a month ago on July 6th. No, before that, sorry. July 18th, from July 18th, 2017, the footage from the space com- subcommittee hearing 
which was a general discussion of NASA's upcoming planetary flagship missions, the Mars Rover 2020 and the Europa Clipper. Ain't that going to be something, Mike and everyone? They're going to Europa. Now, a U.S. congressman for California named Daniel Robacher asked NASA executives if evidence of an ancient human civilization has been found on Mars. Think about this, people. He asked NASA executives openly on a live hearing if evidence of an ancient human, well, or an ancient alien or an ancient civilization, let's just say, has been found on Mars. It could still be E.T. and human, right? It just means extraterrestrial, out of this world. So let's just say an E.T. evidence of an ancient civilization of E.T. has been found on Mars. The, the surprise now, well, their response may surprise you, but yet those that a little more to know, yet the answer may not be a surprise at all to everyone else. For one thing, you'll notice during this clip, Mike, you do have it, right? Yeah, looking for it now. Okay, now as you're looking, now he the way it's like through midway through his question, it's a quick question. He, he was being interrupted, like they knew what he was going to ask. They were trying to shut him up, and he goes, "Look, all I want is one minute. Give me a break." So he asks his question, and then he's he, <laughs> basically instead of thousands of years old, because he accidentally said thousands instead of millions, because their model, their model is millions of years, not thousands of years that life was on Mars, but millions. He says, is there, you know, evidence of an ancient civilization, thousands of years old, has it been found on Mars? The guy gave him an attitude, not millions. I mean, not thousands, millions. Oh, millions. What difference does it make? But he's sticking to the politics. And then notice what he says to answer him as his final answer. I'll let Mike play that, but it's disgusting and it's falling still along despite what they really know. It's based on policy because no one is officially allowed to acknowledge it. And this is going to show some amazing things after this, uh, after this clip here of what we're going to read next that shows obviously someone knows something. So who are you going to believe? All right. Mike, did you find it yet? Found it. Yes. All right. Please play that, my friend. All right. And I'm sorry, everybody else. This is just, this is going to be whatever it is tonight. Go ahead. But one last thought. I would hope that, uh, again, I think the moon I don't is hear close it. You're by. Playing. I don't hear nothing. We can actually get uh, a benefit. Yeah, people could hear that, though. Don't worry. Out of going right, back I have there, to play that again should, since I interrupted. Uh, before you yeah, play it again for, for craps and giggles. Listen closely. All right. But one last thought. I would hope that, uh, uh, again, I think the moon is close by, and whatever we can actually get uh, a benefit out of going back there, we should. Uh, before you take the next step. Uh, however, the, the most important thing was if Mars, can I, uh, I ask permission for one minute for, for this question. And that is, you have indicated that Mars had a, uh, was totally different thousands of years ago. Is it possible that there was a civilization on Mars thousands of years ago? So the evidence is that um, Mars was different billions of years ago, not billions. thousands of years ago. Well, yes. That. And and um, there would be – there is no evidence that uh, I'm aware of that – would you, that, rule, would you rule that out? That See, there's some people – well, anyway. Would, I, would, I would say that is extremely unlikely. Okay. Well, thank you all. Thank you, Mr. Brothers. Thanks for the good job you're doing. God bless. Thank you. All right. Clip, clip played. All right. Everyone heard that all right? You heard that great? Yeah. Notice what he said at the end of it. Sure Ain't that did. incredible? What a wise-ass slide, but yet? <laughs> yes. Truthful answer, but come on. That guy had, you know, deserved more respect for that question than a little slight giggle factor, did yeah, it not? Very true, yes. And 
and notice how he, he quickly shut it down and says, well, we, we really do need to know what's on there, don't we? Yeah. So let's break the policy. All right. Number two from, uh, from a month ago, July 6th. That's Vice weird. President Mike Pence mm-hmm. made some controversial remarks at the Cape Canaveral headquarters in Florida. This is when Trump was over there at the G20 and the other nations and standing in front of certain leaders. <laughs> Did you see that? He put his hands on one leader, move right from me. Hey, the man's here now. You know, and also going to Saudi Arabia, for, you know, trying to tell him to drive him out. Yeah, drive him out. And then touch his hand on some globe thing. He lost me there. But anyway, that same time, Pence was at the Cape Canaveral headquarters in Florida, and he said this. Get this. We will put American boots on the face of Mars. That specific phrasing, let alone that statement that should all blow you away in your seats right now, that specific phrasing has never been used before to describe space travel. That statement combined part of the military phrase of putting boots on the ground. Think about it, people. And yet Vice President Pence also vowed, however, to make space exploration a priority for the United States, including the conquering of another planet. To me, that speaks volumes uh, to me and for us all. What do you think, Mike? And can you play that clip? Yeah, here, Am I'll, I speak- I'll, I'll play it now. Here, the Hubble Space Telescope, the New Horizons, and so many other technological wonders lifted off from Earth to give us a glimpse of our fellow planets, the distant stars, and the infinite galaxies that are our window into our very past. And here, from this bridge to space, our nation will return to the moon, and we will put American boots on the face of Mars. Yes, I heard that clip before, and I talked about it on the show uh, a couple episodes back. Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, Gary, I I don't exactly see that happening. I don't think, and if it does happen, I don't think we're going to be told about it. Look, well, there's other things. Again, that's added on to the story for another night. Sure. Special group, uh, special military Masonic group named Sword, and what they had to say, and what they had to say about Hoagland, and even alluded about me. But we're not going to get into this now, and also mentioning that they were back in time from the future. But we're not getting into that tonight. What I'm saying is that things are adding up. The Martian revelation is going to be what it is. It's going to be back, and it's going to be target focusing head on with regards to these visions that they're now trying to bring forth and my show's going to help still be at the head of wave for that catalyst as well and it makes more of the future vision for space that i had had so now if anything things are starting to tune up i'm starting to tune into time with this well, maybe i came early my show came early or something i don't know and those of you out there that knows that term you know what i'm re- addressing don't you huh but still you don't want to acknowledge it or me Oh, well, anyway, to move on, uh, then now to make that, if that's not real, get this on, um, June 30th, Mike and others, the, the house, the, the house votes to make a space corp, the sixth branch, branch of the U.S. military. Now, what? You heard me right. The, the house votes to make space corps the sixth branch of U.S. military. Now, we're starting to see a connection, don't we, to maybe how Pence's words were not just meant, oh, we just meant going to the face of Mars, meaning the surface. No, when you're going to put boots on the face of Mars, 
We are all seeing a vision in our head of a mere trick and light and shadow where boots are going to be going. Where a certain 1950-something, a certain comic book by Jack Kirby, The Face of Mars, uh, and a certain military astronaut fell through the eye to have a virtual experience of about a past history with the beings that were from there who witnessed those beings and their world and the beings, extraterrestrial aliens that came, invaded their world and helped destroy that world. And bombing that world. Again, alluding to our future guest here soon, Dr. J, I apologize. I owe you big time. Yes, my friend. But anyway, this, as you see now, I think you'll notice where this is going. Now, if they're going to make a space corpse, now look, they could say, yeah, you know, for, um, to protect Mars or any of our, of any of our, you know, beasties, little micro beasties from here getting somewhere else or vice versa, which is an important job. It is an important job. I am all for having a base in space to bring stuff back, check it real good, and have before you bring anything to the damn homeland, which means the whole earth at that point. All right? Now, I'm for that. So, but this is not to deal with little micro beasties. This is to deal with, obviously, threats, which we talked about over the years with satellite, uh, which China succeeded, what, a couple of years ago to destroy a satellite in space, and the mess that would just make of little impacts from those uh, pieces of bullets flying around now, and to, well, space warfare. you got to protect the satellites. But that's not just basic for that. Why do you need a fighting force? Okay, uh, you need because of what is out there. You think the Star Wars defenses and all the satellites we have is merely looking down here for little Earth uh, being reaped and used by all these corporations robbing us each month, using us for something we should all have for free or pretty damn near it. No, they're looking out. There's something else out there. Why would you want to put boots on the face of Mars? Why would you have a congressman saying about uh? All right, and you heard that, right, about the congressman. We played yes. that, right? Sorry for the brain fart. I'm thinking of my buddy Jimmy again. God rest Damn it. But anyway, he, uh, so now you start to have a little picture come together. The lingo. What about here? And this, this is not an article. Well, it is. I don't have it, but I remember seeing it on the news last year, Mike and others. Remember there was a general who in front of, I think it was a Naval or Air Force Academy people, graduates. He said that at the beginning of the century, we have to adapt. Soldiers have to adapt. We have to adapt to the technology, the times, and all this, and that we had to adapt through the Korea War, the World War II. We had to adapt to nuclear age, and then we have to adapt to Vietnam, and now with terrorists. He says, now we're, we're prepping and training for little green men. Why would he say that? A military commander general saying that to a group of new recruits, are they running to the hills? No. Why? Because they've been acclimated, like we have been over the years, of aliens. We see it in our commercials. We see it in our schools. We see it on our TVs. We see it on our movies. Granted, different many sides, but bits and pieces of that are true. Like Frazier, John Glenn, when he came on that time, on that show, Frazier had nothing totally to do with uh, John Glenn or anything in the skit, but he, because he's a public figure, no one's can officially announce nothing. They script him in. Get it? They script him in to where they'll put the limelight on him saying about the strange things out there, things that we can't even describe from our worst nightmares that's out there, things he's encountered, and then plays a skit. Oh, well, let me have that tape back. Because, you know, oh, you didn't air it? No. Oh, then give me that back. And he left. Why? But he, that we were still acclimated. They still told us. Just under what circumstances will we be presented? 
or withheld information. It's a trick question because we're being presented and withheld. Right. It's, Gary, are you I, willing to take a call or you're not willing to take any calls? Not yet, uh, because we're gonna get talk to Brandon Bergen on this, uh, now, and also one. Yeah, more, we're we're uh, gonna quick. hit a break before we bring him on. By the way, to give the listeners a bit of a break here, and especially myself, I, I definitely need a break. I hear you, and I apologize, Mike, and thank you for your tolerance, my friend. And I just want to say one more thing before that: NASA has a job opening. Now, remember that, that about the group, about the new uh, branch as a military group to be added. Space Force? Well, we already had Space Command. I mean, look at Florida. Yeah, we have Space Command right here. They're already dug in on the ground. Right here, Peterson and Schriever and all that crap. Now, now here's a, for something else. NASA has a job opening for someone to defend Earth from aliens, and it pays a six-figure salary. Isn't that something? My my ex-sister-in-law said, ha, 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 Gary, you should uh, apply for the job. And uh, you know what? And I... I was, uh, I, that's a compliment. It really is. Even though there's a giggle factor, but it's a compliment. Because, uh, you know, I've been trying to spoo the Martian revelation for many years. It is, it's more than about Mars. It's about us all in the future. And uh, even the people that we're connected to, and whether we know it or not, we're scripted in part of this acclamation program. And our next guest, I, you know, I told him, though, he may not believe it. And the coincidence, there's nothing that's coincidence. And if anything, it's more signature of a signature of a sign to show it's not coincidence. He's part of the Martian revelation in more ways than one. And I'm talking about Dr. Brandenburg. So if NASA has officially have a job for this, Mike, you know, you would want qualified individuals. But how many people could say, yeah, I know what to do against space aliens. Oh, maybe someone professional from the new space corps, right? I mean, think about this. It all goes back in the past to Tesla. And then the Roswell on top of that, to, you know, men in black, I mean, you name it. Everything starts to become possible. When the impossible, there's all other possibilities get overruled. The only thing left to consider is the impossible. And that's all we've been doing in this UFO field of researchers for many years because that's where the policies kept it. But there's a change now because the policies change because people are getting acclimated more. And there's a time to when it has, things has to be revealed. That was the other aspect of Brookings. There's, there'll come a time when things have to be revealed. So think about nothing's far-fetched here of what I'm saying. I know it sounds nuts. Trust me. And I'm a Christian, but none of that debunks him, and either way, he's creator of the cosmos. Again, prepping for our next guest. On top of that, Michael and everyone else, I apologize. I kind of got through off, and Mike, I don't mean to be dominating your thing here, and thank you for your tolerance and patience, but I think you know where I'm going here, and, uh, you know, I appreciate it. And so do the people, and let everyone know the Martian revelation's coming again. Yeah, would you love to see me as a host? <laughs> All right, Mike. Yes, time for a break here. I'll be back in a moment here with our second guest. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Everyone, please come and check out our new and improved Ocotillo Liquor, where you'll find the best selection of beer, wines, and liquor, along with the best customer service. And welcome back to the program, often imitated but never duplicated, as you know by now. This is Michael Deacon, and we are indeed live. And I'm not alone. Gary is here with me still. Gary. There you are. Just making sure you're still alive. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. There's so much going on and so much I wanted to get out. And I have a habit of doing that to Mike sometimes. And Don't worry, it happens. Like, right, I was just going to say that, you know. And as long as Mike's cool and Mike is cool. So I appreciate it. And uh, I, I wanted to paint it enough so 
Dr. Brandenburg, who we're gonna bring on, uh, he would, he would see the flow where I think he would see, notice what I was trying to do. Um, cause he's, he's a very smart guy and he could, he could help paint, fill in a lot of these gaps for you. Um, and the importance of all of this, that's, that's, cause that's what he is. That's what he does. But I'm not gonna speak for him. But, uh, he's definitely, you know, a cool guy and he's definitely, uh, very knowledgeable and, uh, very important to the Martian revelation overall. Yes. And, and right yes. now he's actually joining us live. John, are you alive? I am alive. I'm alive and well. Oh, oh. indeed. You sound very good. How you doing, Dr. J? Surely we are in the days of the Martian revelation. <laughs> Sorry about that long, uh, oh, I, was, I was anticipating. Oh, it's okay, Gary. I know, how long have we known each other? A long time. Oh, very long. <laughs> oh, yes. You are the Mars revealer, and surely <laughs> we're in the days of the Martian revelation. And, Indeed. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I've been doing this Mars thing for a long, long time, so. Oh, yes. So, John, I do want to welcome you to the program. Thanks for being here and spending some time with both myself sure. and, and Gary here. My, my, my pleasure and honor. Yes. So, John, before we get get down to to uh, brass tacks here, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. Well, I'm a uh, I'm a plasma physicist by training, plasma studying space propulsion, and, um, thermonuclear fusion, you know, like tokamaks and things like that. Um, so. Um, Plasma is the fourth state of matter, so it occurs often in, <clears throat> and uh, whenever you have a lot of power. That's my uh, that's my background. Uh, I went to school at Lawrence Lab, my graduate, and um, <clears throat> while I was there, I worked on laser uh, pellet fusion, which literally a miniature a miniature hydrogen bomb. So I became acquainted with uh, hydrogen bomb physics that way. And primarily, though, I've worked on um, space defense and uh, fusion energy. And Mars, of course. And Mars. Yeah, I got involved in the Mars uh, effort in 1984. And you got to remember, it was the depth of the Cold War. Um, and you've never gone through an international crisis until you've gone through one working as a staff member at a nuclear weapons lab. You can just feel <laughs> the fear, you know, the almost edge of panic uh, as, the, as the crisis gets worse internationally. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, when I went to Lawrence Livermore National Lab, a very nice kind of college campus kind of community, um, uh, and I was working on primarily peaceful uh, applications of nuclear power. Then I'm out at Sandia Labs in Albuquerque, which is like a fortress in the desert. You know, the Cold War was just around me every place. Um, it, and uh, what happened when I was there was the nuclear winter studies came out. And I remember my office mate saying to me, well, if there was a nuclear war, I remember he said, I was going to go drive home real quick, get the wife and kids, and head for the hills. He says, now I'm just going to get a six-pack of beer and sit on the, my rooftop and watch the whole thing go. Being the nuclear winter took away any hope people had of surviving. Uh, I I myself had decided just to sit there at ground zero. Yeah. You know, why wow. uh, why, why uh, try and be competition for everyone else? who's trying to survive. But anyway, uh, so what happened was um, I became of the aware of the work by Vincent Petro and Greg Molinar on the face on Mars at Cydonia. And I thought, you know, this looks like a dead civilization on Mars. And if it's true, it'll change history. And it may end up, you know, helping to end the Cold War. That was my Dr. kind of goal. Dr. J, before you go on now, you mentioned Vince DiPietro and Greg Molinar. Um, right. Now, 
they were already members of uh, the Mars mission team with Hoagland, or were you two, or were you brought in at some point? No, or were no, you ever I was. A part uh, they of were. The Mars team? They were. Uh, well, Hoagland had formed um, the Independent Mars Investigation, and he'd right. asked uh, he'd asked Vince DiPietro to join, and uh, I I contacted DiPietro and Molinar privately, uh, and they told me about uh, Dick Hoagland's efforts. And right. so I eventually decided to join the Emmet, as we called it. Uh, I'll tell you something really, really hilarious, though. Uh-oh. Here, this is hilarious, and I only found this out. Um, I could use a laugh. A couple months <laughs> yes. ago, what, what happened is we, our goal was to try and get the U.S. government interested in the face on Mars and, you know, what it, what its meaning was. And, <laughs> So it turns out the headquarters for the Emmett was at SRI. Boom! And it was just down the hall from the remote viewing program. Oh my, I see. So all along the government has fostered this and knew exactly what it meant. And so it was, this was an extension of the remote viewing program. <laughs> Thank you. So that would be SRI. So now that, you got to admit that is hilarious that, you know, that we kind of imagined that we were doing this bold research to try and get the U.S. government interested in this thing. And in Find fact, it was already, <laughs> they were already out in front. I mean, you've thing. seen that recent article about that, that program that was being passed around the past couple months, uh, you know, from the CIA documents about the, you know, what a remote viewer was being told to look and what they were finding. I mean, you oh, know what I'm yeah. referring well, to I knew, here, right? I, I knew that after the Cold War ended, Stubblebine or whatever his name was in charge of remote viewing said, you know, there was a civilization on Mars. Um, wasn't sure if it was alive or dead. And um, so anyway, it was all along this has been part of a kind of government time to program, I believe. Which I kind of hinted at earlier. I don't know if you heard uh, my whole spiel. Well, the, the government, the government wants us go, to go to Mars. They've decided that we're going, we're going to Mars. Well, thus Pence, and, his uh, announcement. I mean, it, let me, let me saying that we're going to put boots, boots, Doctor J, boots, boots on the face, on the face, of, face Mars. of Mars. Those are his exact words. Right on its nose. Ain't that, ain't that, ain't uh, that incredible? Do you find that incredible? I the do. Wording? Well, what I find even more incredible is that Rohrabacher would. You know, basically ask him, ask NASA straight out, is there a dead civilization on Mars? I had phoned NASA headquarters and spoken to the head of their Mars program and discussed all of this several months ago. Really? So basically, you were the reason why, uh, he brought that up to the congressional question there? Well, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I know that I published a book on this thing called Death on Mars. Death on Mars, yes. Yeah, and, um, Basically, what we found was, you know, there's there's faces at, there's <laughs> a face in a pyramid. There's a face in a pyramid at Cydonia Menza. Everybody's familiar with that. They, what a lot of people don't know is there's two faces on Mars at a place called Galaxis Chaos. Yes. Galaxius. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's all discussed in the book. And Which was when, really utopia. Uh, when, when, what happened? Probably, what, right? that, it what? was originally Utopia, the main region, until they uh, narrowed it down to that name. How did it come up with Galaxius? That's new. Oh, I well, it means that it Galaxus means it comes from the word Milky Way, so it means milky, uh, broken ground. Uh, but uh, 
what it really meant was somebody's galaxy was thrown into chaos. Because I, <laughs> I informed Carl Sagan and uh, NASA about the two new faces of the Galaxis. We called it just Utopia at the time. What, what, and like, they, like, uh, they, they responded by, by giving the place the name Galaxis Chaos. So they had so, their own. Uh, and, and you got it. And you got it. You know, I sent you pictures. I sent you pictures of the the new picture of the Galaxus face. Yes, that it's was from the face. Odyssey. I provided Mike with uh, the MRO version as well. Yeah. So um, you know, you look at you look at the picture uh, from Cydonia showing the face in the pyramid, and then you look at this face, these faces in um, Galaxus, and it's just obvious. There's a dead civilization on Mars. And the U.S. government has known about it since 1976. Well, and here's, here's, by the way, here's the, here's the, here's, here's an important thing you gotta remember. The U.S. government considers that Mars science is too important to be left to Mars scientists. It, it views <laughs> science, it, the U.S. government views all scientists as employees. It does mm. not view them as, uh, as experts. A deciding factor? No, no. If a scientist, they, they're so used to scientists coming to their offices saying something is impossible and then the next day it's proved to be possible and the same people will come in their offices and ask for money to investigate this new possible thing. <laughs> I mean, they had, sci yeah, they had scientists, scientists telling them that space travel was impossible, that nuclear weapons were impossible, all of this stuff. So the U.S. government basically, apparently, Believe Percival Lowell was right. Right. So they they expected to find a dead civilization on Mars, and then they found one. Right. So then the idea became, well, what do we do with this? And they decided to just kind of let it dribble out. And then we found that the isotopes, if you know, just like if somebody shoots a gun in a room, you can take the powder burns off the walls Ballistics. and things like Ballistics. this, do forensic analysis on it. When a nuclear weapon goes off, it leaves a whole bunch of isotopic residue that are fingerprints. That would and not be those, produced, let's say, as an asteroid exploding. It wouldn't have the same signatures or same no, elements. No, no, it would have completely say? different signature. Thank you. And I was wondering about a, that. A natural, nuclear, a natural nuclear reactor has a completely different signature isotopically than a hydrogen bomb going off. So these isotopic, they leave, uh, they, they leave a different pattern of, of isotopes. Right. And right, so, the key, the key right. isotope is xenon, which has uh -huh. about five stable isotopes and the, the signature, nuclear weapon signature is xenon 129. And it, we, and just, the government just recently released, uh, xenon 129 assays from 1937 before any nuclear weapons had gone off. Uh -huh. And then, we have to compare with that, that to compare with, uh, 1978 numbers, which I Wait do a on my oh, website. You're talking about on Earth? Yeah, on Earth. Uh, okay, we okay. And if we didn't here. have it then, how, how is this, how is those signatures here on Earth if we didn't have oh, them? Oh no, until... no, Gary, 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 there was no nuclear uh -huh. weapon signature in 1937, but by 1978, it was quite noticeable. Correct, that would make sense. Big change in xenon 129 in, in the in the America in the atmosphere of the Earth, and Stanton Friedman, who's a nuclear physicist, right? You know, said he, well he was very kind to me. He said, uh, he said Brandenburg's work is good. He said any, any alien coming to this planet and sampling our atmosphere could tell we set off a lot of nuclear weapons. Correct. All right, that makes sense. 
So now we have two independent lines of evidence for intelligent activity on Mars. A, a widespread one problem, one a problem though, Dr. Jay. What? What is the problem? I was having a debate with my friend about this, and I tried to touch base with this with, with you years ago, and you always wind up laughing, but I can understand why. But I, this goes back to a story I heard early on when I first got what into story is you know, that? the Hopeland's wing that there was always been a rumor that uh, Mars – I'm sure you've heard of this rumor. Mars Observer went to Mars, detonated a bomb to try to change the thing. Now, oh no no no! Ah, it, it, I I know. Wait wait wait! There's, it, there's, it, there's, it, there's, 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 there's an A and B. There's an A and B here, Doctor J. There's an A and B here. <laughs> a, a is the signature, right? Now, would we be able to tell if these signatures are from our type technology or from a different technology, or does it matter? It don't matter well, what technology. Well, if, if, if you get up there. Weaponized. If you get up there and do really detailed analysis, not just of the xenon, but a lot of other isotopes, okay. I mean, there, there are people who will be able to figure out how big the bomb was, what it was in it, everything like that. But, you okay. know, they, we have whole departments at government laboratories that do that stuff. By the way, when I discovered the xenon-129 and its significance, first thing I did is I showed it to a bunch of nuclear weapons experts, and they said, yeah, you're right. Somebody nuked Mars. And so okay. I reported it. I reported it to the government, to the Defense Intelligence uh, what Agency. Year, what year was that, Dr. J? What about, year was that? Uh, that? Oh, it was about 1998. Oh, 98. So if, if someone it's did about, nuke it was Mars. It was the year 2000 time frame. Is, yeah, but can you tell how old it was? How how old? No, it was no, we can't. We can't tell well, so how you, old it you, is. You're given, you're, Dr. J, believe it or not, you're giving these Mars conspiracy theorists a bone to say, hey, we were right, saying that we knew Mars, well, rather than Martians or some I'm other. A, I'm a Mars conspiracy theorist. Well, I'm, I'm not going to throw you on the bus and speak for you, my friend. Uh, look, I, I'll, just, I'll, I'll just say that there was, there is a dead civilization on Mars. We have <laughs> abundant <laughs> evidence from the NASA, NASA released photographs or images. And now we have also the, the fact that, that there was a massive nuclear explosion or two of them on Mars. Um, and that's and because the areas found have the most of that element? By those two areas, so they had the, what, the most concentrated element of that element? Mars, Mars has different xenon isotopes than any other body in the solar system. It's not Say like Jupiter. Again. It's not like Earth. It's not like any of the asteroids. Okay. Completely different. So, so in a sense, we've basically proven it. Now it's all over, but the screaming. And, so, I mean, and, now to, figure out, and, to, know, and to figure out who did it, because now the Mars conspiracy oh, theorists. Oh yeah, well, well we got to figure out who, who did it, uh, and uh, when did it happen, and why did it happen? I don't, there's, I don't see a, why it would happen along with Mars Observer. I mean, sure, I guess it's possible, but oh, it seems it wouldn't, I, don't, no, Mars, I don't think it would, because they wanted to get a better look themselves. If they want to get a better look themselves, then maybe they not like what they've seen and launch, but I, I don't know how stuff like that works, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth. No, I'm not no, Gary, trying to say you Gary, said this. The Jay did not say this. I'm asking this. <laughs> these, the, the xenon isotope stuff was there okay. before Mars Observer was there. How, now, ah, how, how do we know that? I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Oh, because I it mean, was, it was know, part of the Viking. Viking. How? It was part of the Viking expedition, the Viking landers. 
They measured oh, the, the Viking Xenon. Viking detected it too? Yeah, Viking detected it. Ah, now, now, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Now, now let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. The U.S. government, when it saw the Xenon 129, freaked out, apparently. It was the middle of the Cold War, and, you know, they saw the pictures from Cydonia, and they saw the Xenon 129 and put two and two together really easy. Yeah, they should see pictures of Cydonia. So then the government, (laughs) the government is sitting on this since 1976. And then they decided to just, to just let it out, apparently. They've decided to, that this should be well, become well known. Well, so, even you told me, Dr. J, that you were even shocked when they said, well, go ahead and report it. Like, what? That, I was. <laughs> I was. I just said, you know, I was waiting for them to come back and say something, you know, what to do. And they said, publish, publish it. <laughs> Incredible. So, and I mean, we show, we briefed uh, a member, uh, an agent from the Defense Intelligence Agency. He took all these notes and he was, um, and he, he took it very seriously. Then he went back and reported it to wherever the Mars desk is at, um, Defense Intelligence Agency. And then six months later, they got back to us and said, publish. So the government wants this to come out. And the re, here's, here's the reason. Going to Mars costs a lot of money. Right. So the right. public, you have to bring the public up to speed to some extent so they'll fund a Mars program. You see, people, what I was alluding to earlier, and now we got Pence talking about boots on Mars. We have a, con- a Congress guy asking Congress for answers that the guy at the end of it with a wise-ass answer says, well, we really do need to know what's there. But obviously, policy, policy, policy. Well, and Dr. And J, money, you alluded you know, to that no years ago, to, too, on my show. No, That's what no goes Buck, No Buck Rogers. <laughs> you know, so we're gonna send Buck Rogers to Mars. We gotta have Buck, and uh, it's not like it's not like going to the moon where you can have the astronauts wear diapers. I volunteered you know? years ago, and I I would still go even if it's one way, just to get it sure. done and over with. So so anyway, so we're living in a very exciting time. Very exciting. We are indeed living in the time of the Martian revelation. Indeed, oh, yeah. you know, and I didn't tell him to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that doctor. used to be your favorite phrase, Gary. You were the Mars revealer, and you said would say uh, on your in your radio program, which I listened to a lot, that we were surely we were living in the days of the Martian revelation, and we are, we are. Yes. So the human race is going to make a big leap in consciousness in the next probably just five years. It's going to suddenly realize we're not alone in the universe. The this year. It's time to start the Martian revelation up again, Dr. J. Well, Maybe I was early time, last time with the, with the mindset and the political climate. I was early in, in, in that sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, so but, I, I hey. believe by the time of Trump's, you know, uh, of the, the next presidential term, uh, this stuff is going to come out. Amazing. And it's, it, and it's going to come out because here's, here's the thing. A dead it's primitive already. civilization on Mars is not threatening. Well, not a dead one. It, 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 let's assume it's dead and it looks primitive, right. looks humanoid. They didn't have horns or big fangs. You know, they, they were just, they look pretty much like us. And they're primitive and uh, like, you know, the Mayans or the Egyptians. And well, that's, they're dead. But that's the thing, though, Dr. J, primitive. I mean, we can't duplicate those things you mentioned Today in the well, past, it's, well, it's I mean, I'm gravity. seeing highly advanced. I'm seeing something highly advanced up there that's been done globally, and that whoever did that did not walk away. And well, here's Gary, the fact that they could go away. 
because I believe it was Gary, done from above, or at least designed from above. Maybe they'll come well, back. Gary, we we don't disagree that that there's a widespread, you know, architect archaeology on Mars. We only disagree on the scale of it. So, uh-huh. so oh, that's okay. Basically, yeah, basically, Mars used to be like Earth. It had an ocean, and the yeah, ocean is on the youngest part of Mars, not on the old part of Mars. It's on the Mars has an old part that looks like the moon, and then it's got a young part that looks almost terrestrial. Well, that kind of fits with Dr. Tom Van Flanderen's uh, model. Now, I'll ask you, Dr. V, uh, when, let's say, a planet was there, exploded, a watery world, if Mars was the moon or even in proximity, upon any such explosion, again, you know Dr. Tom Van Flanderen, uh, yeah. Would the water, would the water be able to survive a transit to the Martian surface where it may have collected uh, there? Not, Some's not got to explain well. it. Mars, Some's got to explain it, right? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Mar, uh, water, you know, you know, comets are mostly water and they okay. evaporate in out, outer space. That's why they're so bright. So water, I don't know, you know, I like Tom. He was a really smart guy. Oh, right. Uh, I'm just saying of the model that's out there. It's not, you know, whose side, whose I'm just trying to figure out something here. Cause yeah, I, 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 to me, it's, it, I'm not trying, it's, you, know, you don't have to be married to an idea. I'm just wondering, though, if it's all this water and ocean would be on a younger part of a surface, being that it's near something that may have exploded that had water, could the remnants of the water hit the ground, do its thing, and if the planetary atmosphere was correct, which you assume it was in your model, then the water would have been able to to survive there for some time, right? Or am I way off base? You're the science. Mars, I I just think Mars was born with a lot of water, just like Earth. Okay, then what's it? It's moving around on the surface from older to younger? Let me me put it to you this way, uh, you guys. Uh As a scientist, I try to come up with the simplest hypothesis. I, I understand. And, I understand the, and, and by the way, by the way, by the way, what I have proposed uh-huh. is not simple because I have a it's dead civilization, I have a civilization on Mars, but Mars was like Earth, and then somebody comes along and nukes it. That is not simple. No, not but, at all. But it's the and that, sim- but that it introduces is, but, an even third player potentially. That's right. See, but it is the simplest hypothesis I can come up with to explain right. what we see. We see a, what looks like a dead primitive civilization on Mars that apparently dates from a time when Mars was Earth-like with an ocean. And because uh, they're around, the, the sites are Galactus Chaos and Cydonia Mensa are on the shorelines of the ocean. So they were oceanfront property, as you would expect to find big cities. So, and then somebody comes along and nukes it. That's I mean, because there were just two massive nuclear weapons. There weren't a whole bunch of little ones. There was two big ones. Right. And they well, were one could say by the all the cratering, it big... like a lot of secondary firing going on. <laughs> well, it was – these these weapons were as big as the Empire State Building. Wow. They were big. Wow. Now, here's and, the, and you here's can the determine thing. that by the amount of isotopes? That's or, why, that's or, why uh, we know we didn't do it because it's – we are incapable we of one. Yeah, we're not – we didn't do this. this right. you, you know, we got an airtight alibi, you know. <laughs> By default. <laughs> I was sitting in a bar drinking a beer when it happened. That's what the human yeah, race yeah. will say. 
We didn't know we didn't know nothing about nothing. Well, and it's just true. We we don't have the capability. We we could build a bomb that big, uh, but okay. you know we why, why unless we're going to blow ourselves up. World. It's not to destroy a world. Right. So this potential so, third party out there. Well, maybe that's why well, they created the space force now. Anybody want to put boots on the face? Any anybody who knows anything about life on Earth knows that. I mean, what's the <coughs> I have a I have a fossil. My favorite fossil dates from the time of the dinosaurs. And it's this oh, big cool. ugly fish, and inside oh, wow, the really? big ugly fish is this smaller fish. Meaning, <laughs> big fish. It's always a bigger a fish. Little fish, and that fish that fish could have swum in any ocean on right. any planet in this galaxy. Big fish are going to eat little fish, and the 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 moral of this is don't be a little fish. And what we find on Mars is there's bad, just like there's evil on Earth, there's evil out in space, too. Why should that surprise us? As, well, as my, above, my so below. Victor, my friend Victor Norgard, <laughs> written a very <laughs> special book that, uh, that he given me once. A very long book, but i got to tell you something, people. You should read it because there's lots of, I think, inside information through a science fiction story that should open up your minds and open up your eyes and your hearts to a, a potential yeah. reality situation of, uh, like the one, one party Victor Norgard said to me once is, uh, you know, they're like us. The good news is, is that they're like us, but the bad news is they're like us. That's right. That's one of the characters in my novel says that, you know, my Victor Norgard is my pen name for writing science fiction. And by no, the way, I've the now finished, name. um, uh, that book is now a, a tr- part of a trilogy called the Morning Star right. UFO Trilogy. Yeah. So the two, uh, the two sequels to it will, uh, one sequel is out on Kindle called, uh, To Rule the Night and the third sequel, the, the, uh, the third book of the trilogy will be out probably in the fall. I thought Sepulveda and, was the, the second. No, that's a, that was a, that's a prequel. Oh, the prequel. Oh, so, oh, no kidding. You had two titles after Morningstar? Yeah, yeah. So after oh, Morningstar yeah. Pass has two sequels now. I'm missing out. That's why it's part of a trilogy. It was about the, 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 the reporters that we learned in Morningstar that tells their story about the asteroid. Yeah, that so, got, so got they, uh, the they, space program. well, they are witness to what the aftermath of the collapse of the UFO cover-up is. Right, and, uh, right. And it, what it is, is it's not just a, it's not just a crisis on Earth. It, it makes an interstellar crisis. I gotta get those next two titles, Dr. J. And Mike, you know, you, Don't worry, well, you, you can actually, uh, you can actually get the, One at a time, please. Get, One at a time. <laughs> you can actually get, uh, the sequel to Morningstar Pass on Kindle now on Amazon. It's called To Rule the Night. Okay. I will get and, that. And uh, so, anyway, so I'm I'm in the process of uh, you know making making that out come out in print. So, and then there's a third uh, book to form a trilogy, and that'll be out in the fall. I'm doing fine, getting final editing done on that one. And um, yeah, so oh, to rule the night, cool. the UFO war uh, follows wow. the collapse of the UFO cover-up. Dr. John uh, Brandenburg, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I believe uh, sure, I, I sure. have something very uh, important to tell you here. You know, I, I had a guest on by the name of Dr. Robert 
uh, doctor. I meant Robert David Steele. Sorry about that. Yes, Robert David Steele, rather. He is a, sure. an alleged uh, CIA insider. Uh, are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. Uh, that, that actually, uh, um, I try to keep up with this stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, no, he, he uh, I, I'm, I'm familiar with him. He said some very interesting things as of late. Even caught the attention of uh, Bill Maher for some of the comments he made about NASA running some sort of child slave colony on Mars. I just thought perhaps <laughs> you might want to add something to that, especially with with someone of his um, character uh, making these sort of uh, allegations, especially one being a, a a nominee for a Nobel Peace Prize. Well, I mean, goodness. Well, uh, you know, we got to add the uh, the uh, the pizza the pizza parlor. Child slave. Maybe that's connected to the Mars colony by some kind of transporter being, you know. <laughs> yes. I, I'm sorry. I That's too much for you, huh? <laughs> it's well by the way, if you read Morningstar Pass, the collapse mm-hmm. of the UFO cover up, the subtitle is Absolute Secrecy Creates Absolute Power. The the, the in in that novel the UFO cover-up has gone off the deep end. They they have completely, you know, they've um, they're working for the aliens. I <laughs> see. Novel. Instead of instead of working for the U.S. government, they're working for the aliens. Mm-hmm. And it, it's 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 a it, the whole operation has gone rogue. And the the all you have to do is read the abduction. I've, and I've talked to abductees. The whole UFO abduction phenomenon is a horrendous violation of human rights. And the U.S. government apparently, um, well, let's say in my novel, the U.S. government just stood by and let it happen. And um, because they thought the aliens were just doing research on it. So it's, I, I speak to all of that. Um, I don't have any child sex slave rings up on Mars. <laughs> yes. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, well, gosh. Come on, no total recall, three boob ladies. <laughs> I can't, I can't, uh, you know, let me just put it this way. In the novel Morningstar Pass, The Collapse of the UFO Cover-Up, written by Victor Norgard, you see a government uh, program that has gone completely haywire and lost all contact, respect for human rights. And uh, so so that's all I'll say. Understood. Uh, and, yeah. and what happens, by the way, what happens in the novel is what always happens when you have a classified program in Washington, D.C. that goes completely haywire like Iran-Contra, somebody leaks it to the press. Oh, yes. So they leak it to these two women journalists. You know, they're kind of like uh, at CNN or they're, they're pretty faces reading the news like at CNN or Fox News or something like this. And and uh, the head of the UFO cover-up sees them, you know, they, they've received these documents. And the head of the, of the um, UFO cover-up, first comment is, nobody's going to pay any attention to those two bimbos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> six, six months later, he's dead, and his entire kingdom is destroyed. Hmm. Interesting. And so... Um, that he, seems to go on. Yeah, so, well, never underestimate <laughs> a smart woman, especially <laughs> two of them. <laughs> and so, anyway, so I had fun writing it. 
And a lot of people really liked it, so they came up, would come up to me at conferences and say, well, when are you going to write a sequel? And so I finally, you know, I wrote a sequel, and, and uh, now I've written the, uh, mm-hmm. now it's part of a trilogy, and I'm, you know, the, um, in the, I'll, I'll, without giving away too much, at the end of the sequel to Morningstar Pass, which is called To Rule the Night, the UFO War, we land the 1st Marine and the 2nd Marine and the uh, Marine Divisions and the 101st and 82nd Airborne on the moon. And the Russians wow. land a week later. And they are sending troops, infantry, basically, mo- mostly, you know, armored infantry. They're going to make – they have a ground war on the moon. And the, the idea is to advance to the far side of the moon and wipe out the alien bases on the far side. And, that was um, Russia fight, uh, Russians fighting the Americans, or both were siding up. No, the Russians attack, are the uh, whole. No, the Russians hate the aliens. And, and uh, the by aliens. the way, this is this is uh, this is part of the scuttlebutt I heard in Washington D.C. This this is kind of funny. Is that the Russians assumed any unidentified flying object flying over Russia was American, <laughs> so they would just scramble their MiGs and chase it and try and shoot it down. And finally, after losing a lot of MiGs, they finally brought down a flying saucer. Uh, and they losing had, a lot you know, of MiGs. And then, they, and so there's a bunch of Russian troops, you know, in those furry hats that are approaching this thing, this crash saucer, and they pry it open with uh, crowbars, and they look inside. Yet Amerikinsky, <laughs> these people are not Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but by that time, by that time. They were aware that the U.S. government was talking to the aliens, so they basically decided that the aliens were the little short gray aliens were in cahoots. This is just the scuttlebutt I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. Yes. Well, you never. The problem with ufology. I mm-hmm. I talked to a friend of mine who's a ufologist, and I said his name Don Ecker, and I said Don, the problem with this field is there are no facts. Or only report. <laughs> Pretty much. So I, that's why I write I write science fiction about it because uh, then I can take all of these weird stories I heard and make put it them safe in a, to be seen. Well, yeah, I can put them safely in a science fiction scenario. Understood. Um, yes, that's that, probably well, here's, here's another to here's another story. This this UFO this, and these are just stories. These UFOs. Uh, oh, oh no, no. Here's here's what happened. Like the Battle of Los Angeles. Started it was like like three months after Pearl Harbor. Yeah, and we had all these uh, you know aircraft plants making you know fighter planes for the war. Were all concentrated around L.A., so they had a lot of strategic. So they had all this anti-aircraft defenses, which consisted of 75 millimeter and 50 caliber guns and 20 millimeter guns mounted everywhere. And uh, and three months after three months after Pearl Harbor. Three months after Pearl Harbor. Right. So this Japanese submarine surfaces off of Long Beach, which would happen periodically, and the Japanese get out of, out of the submarine and limber up their deck gun. You know, the early submarines had these cannons on them. And they lob a couple shells into this oil refinery in Long Beach, setting this big uh, diesel tank on fire. How fun. So this gets everyone absolutely uh, on razor's edge. The next hmm. night, these four UFOs fly, come flying in over L.A., and they fly right into a buzzsaw. I mean, every anti-aircraft gun in the whole L.A. area opens up on them and hammered and it them. And it just remains there, being fired on, uh, being untouched, correct? No, 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 that's, 
not exactly what at least the, the rumor the rumors I heard was uh -huh. that the Navy found a crashed one on Santa Catalina Island the next day. So it was like uh -huh. go go ahead hit me with your best shot and and they and, did uh, <laughs> and they did. <laughs> so but hmm. so it was a so it was a fiasco. Hmm. You know it was a. That's what the mil in the military terms you call that a fiasco, you know. And apparently, look at all the reports of crashes. Right. The technology yeah, must they, be they, real they, bad they, or something's going they, on. Well, they don't maintain it. You know, something is wrong. Um, it, at Roswell, they um, they apparently lost two ships in one night. And you know, by the way, you know what was at Roswell at the time? Uh, the 509th bomb group for the the nuclear weapons. Right, it was all the nuclear all the nuclear weapons on Earth were stored at Roswell. Nobody That's knew that the at ones the time. Bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki came from. Right, of right. They were all stored so, at Roswell. Therefore, connected. So here, here's that somebody from outer right space. To theory of aliens coming and noticing the the residue or the compounds, they would have seen that. So therefore, they go to sure. the source where they come from. I mean, that, if you have sensitive, you paint them sensitive right enough there. gamma ray detectors, you can detect plutonium mm -hmm. uh, in the bombs. And so they they were snooping on. Look, the aliens, the little short gray aliens, were casing the joint. Right. They're trying, <laughs> to, they're exactly. trying to see if they could um, if, if what our military strength was. And here, here, so they're on this really sensitive mission to figure out how strong the Earthlings are, and they lose two ships in one night. And uh, you'll you'll love you, well you'll find it really interesting. In, I in the novel the two uh, women track down the veterans from uh, Roswell. That was in the morning. Find out what they find out right? what really happened. Yeah, they find out uh, what really happened at Roswell. When's the new book coming out? By the way. Oh, the the, the book's been out on Amazon. Oh, it's out already. Yeah, right. it's it, been it, out. He has a new one. It's out on. By the way, it's, it's 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 out on Kindle also, so you can just download it. Ah. Night. And when will the new one be out of the series? Uh, the new one, well, the new one, uh, one of them is already out on Kindle. Right, right. But I'm, like I, I'm doing some final tweaking on it to improve it. And uh -huh. um, so it's already out. But the original one, Morningstar Pass, is um, it's been out since 2003. Right, and, but you said uh, you have another title, even the one that's on Kindle, but a new one that's not in print yet, or something, uh, or is that? It's not in print also? yet. No, all it is is a Kindle version, and I'm I'm gonna polish it slightly and then put it out in print. It's called gotcha. To Rule the Night. To Rule the Night. Okay. To rule the Night. The UFO War. Very nice, and that's you know that's gonna be a good read. That's gonna be yes, good. and John, go I mean Doctor Brandenburg, going back to what Gary was talking about earlier about. If we are actually going to Mars, and Elon Musk has been one of those uh, prominent figures who's been pushing that for quite some time. However, yeah. that that date has been being pushed back further and further away. Oh well, it's you mean pushed ahead. Mars further is, further you know, away. Mars is not like going to the moon. It's it's a much more difficult. Oh yes, I I can imagine. And much more expensive and much more expensive proposition. I don't think Elon Musk – I think Elon Musk will end up helping the Mars thing, but I don't think he's going to be able to finance it by himself. Especially if he keeps running around with uh, – what's his new girlfriend? Um, he's got a new one. <laughs> it's always a woman. Yeah, it's Olivia – somebody – Olivia Hurd or something. She used to run around with the 
the chief of those pirates, the Caribbean guy. Oh, okay. She's huh. crazy. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so um, all he needs is another divorce, and he won't be able to go to. <laughs> he won't That's be able so to go fun. to. That... He won't be able to go get get even into orbit, much right. less go to the go to Mars. And um, so, uh, what the government well, needs is a rationale to go to Mars, and it's not to grow potatoes or um, or right. watch dust devils. They need. They need a really good reason to go to Mars, and I have well, my Petro and Molinar and and Gary here and uh, uh, Richard C. Hoagland, uh, we have given, we have handed a rationale to the U.S. government. Understood, understood, and even um, alluding back to what Gary was saying about Mr. Pence saying that we were going to go back to the moon and boots on Mars. Um, boots on the boots face on of the Mars, face of and by okay. the way, that's, hold, I, I hold would on. interpret yes. that as, yes. as a Freudian slip. Right, hold on, hold on there. But um, afterwards, there were articles that came out saying that NASA was admitting that they don't have enough funding to land humans on Mars. So that kind of throws well, in that fork. That, that, that but that's what they say. When, when Washington, uh, you know, all of this is code in Washington, D.C., Thank you. We need a, we need a more budget, you know, and of course, uh, so, so it's, they're negotiating how, how much this is going to cost. And, um, that's what it seems like. You know, the government may have discovered anti-gravity, so that will reduce drastically the cost of the Mars if it's, if it can be applied to this. Yes. Weren't you, for a moment, weren't you involved with some anti-gravitate? See work, or I don't mean to be. Oh well, yeah, I've been working on it since um, about 1986, about the same time. Listen to that, people. Listen to that, people. Listen to that, people. 1986. Any gravity's been working on. So, well, what happened is the you know they found that they fired microwaves into this strangely shaped can down at uh, Houston. Here, here, let me. I want you to realize something. Mm-hmm. All of the pictures of the face of Cydonia, yes, the face of Galaxus Chaos, were provided by the U.S. government. All of it has been provided by the U.S. government. The first evidence for extraterrestrial life from a Mars meteorite, you know, that was done by the U.S. government. I see. Well, really, and the scientists now, had to go through the U.S. government now, to prove it. Yes. Yeah. Now the U.S. government has shown that if you fire microwaves into this weird-shaped can, it produces thrust, even though that's really? a violation of presently understood laws of physics. But wow. if you have an anti-gravity, you have a gravity EM unification theory like I do, it explains it. Whoa. It's going to be thanks to you we're going to have our fleet of uh, flying black shields. Well, they've oh, had this gosh. for a long time, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. there's evidence that the Germans developed it during World War II, but they couldn't power it. They didn't have any power sources for it. Right. So they made something that could fly for like a minute. With, Plus the uh, movie, uh, what was that movie? Uh, the one with the Nazis on the moon. What was the name of that? Oh, uh, Iron Sky. Iron, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like and then, that, right? Then, oh, we found the power yeah, source. I, uh, or I, it was... <laughs> There were too many swastikas in that. Yeah, it, it was a little but over over the top. It was there. a bit overdone. Yeah, but the, the, fun, the funny part I allude to though is that the power source that they needed was the cell phone. <laughs> yeah, so they oh. go out to try and steal all these cell phones. Right. Well, it, it, anyway, 
Uh, obviously, right. it didn't win the war for them. Correct. They, in fact, you know, they, they spent more money on two rocket than we spent on the Manhattan Project. Wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, so they, they spent this primitive several, primitive you know, roughly $5 billion in the middle of a war that they were wow. losing on two fronts. They spent all of that money just so they could lob one-ton warheads at London. And then America could uh, build a great big one that went supposedly once that, well, and the, well, the, the Germans also, the, you know, we had Oppenheimer in charge of our atomic bomb project. Right. And they had, right. uh, they had, uh, um, Werner Heisenberg, author of the uncertainty principle, and he lived up to his name. He was very uncertain as to how to proceed. And, um, he, uh, uh, he turned the whole thing into a big science project, Lee. They never even succeeded, even though they had a head start on us. They, uh, they, um, anyway, so the Germans never did invent an atomic bomb, even though they were trying to. And, uh, they, Spent all of this money on the V2, the big rocket, uh, just to bomb London. And uh, so and they also apparently spent a lot of money on anti-gravity research. Yes. yes. But it takes a lot of electric power to do it. And they ended up with something that they, you know, it needed a long extension cord to fly. and uh, An extended program to make it fly. And then by that time, the Russians were, you know, the Russian artillery could be heard at night. And so the the SS rounded up all the people who worked on it and shot them. Oh, wow. You oh, mean yeah. paperclip? You don't think paperclip grabbed the chunk of no, them? No, no. They, they, well, the, the story is the SS rounded up everybody who knew anything about it and shot them. And then they wow. took a – they had this one SS general had this one report. You know, showing all the progress they'd made, and he bargained with the uh, U.S. government to let him escape to Argentina, and oh, in return, yeah. they're handing this off to the U.S. government. So either Isn't that way, what people you, say Hitler uh, had left that he really went to was Argentina somewhere, yep. guys. He went to Argentina. That's, that's oh, well, allegedly, always allegedly. But by, by the way, you right. think stories like this are new? I I used to when I wanted to hear conspiracies. Man, I could imagine this stuff. I, all, all I had to do was go to the corner of barbershop. <laughs> in, in my town, the corner barbershop had all these uh, guys that, you know, they were cutting hair. Yeah, all the lot stories, here's, yeah. here's a bunch of these old old characters sitting around reading newspapers and talking about how Pearl Harbor was planned by FDR. And, and um, Yep. <laughs> That was the theory I heard a lot. I've heard and, that and, one uh, for years, yes. And uh, that the whole World War II was fought over tungsten. Huh. Over oh, tungsten. Or JPL owned Mars. Mineral? For light bulbs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I, you know, I got my head full of conspiracy theories just going around, just sitting there waiting to get my hair cut. And I couldn't believe, you know, that they, people would believe all this stuff. but. So that even before the internet, people had all these conspiracy theories. That's how it usually goes. And to keep things uh, current now, let's um let's shift gears here. As sure. you know, North Korea, their media has been saying that the army is on standby to launch. Um, tensions have been rising with North Korea, and of course, your involved oh, yeah. your involvement with the Star Wars Initiative. All of this seems to come full circle now, doesn't it? Well, we can shoot down. Um, 
you know, if they have only a limited number of missiles, we can shoot right. them all down. Mm-hmm. We'll fire a hundred interceptors at every missile. And um, once it leaves the ground, one inch, blow it once up. Once it leaves the ground, well, at, you know, once once it rises above the Korean Peninsula, the Navy will be shooting at it from destroyers, and uh, they'll have top secret laser satellites firing at them. So we can stop. Uh, and by the way, and it doesn't need to work. All it needs to do is look like it needs to look like it'll work. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the whole. Uh, that was the whole thing of Star Wars. Is it was basically a psychological ploy against the Russians. Yeah, uh, some good things came out of that. It, some good experiments. And it, it was successful. Right. It scared the hell out of them, and because uh, they didn't have the computers or the sensorization we had, and. Uh, I worked on the Clementine the moon where we mm-hmm. tested all of the miniature sensors and stuff, and they all work great. So we, um, you can be sure, you know, the, here's the real problem with South Korea. Sure. The problem with Korea, and I worked in Washington, boy, we would just come back to the Korean problem all the time. Just gave everybody headaches. And here's the huh. problem. North Korea and South Korea, South Korea's are allies. They have the same personality. Is North Korea. Right. They don't Did like split. listening to advice from anybody. Yes. So we told them after the end of the Korean War, move your capital from Seoul, which is 30 miles from the border. South more, yeah. Move it down to Pusan, down in the very south of the Korean Peninsula, so it can be defended. No, no. They wouldn't. They, they just absolutely refused. Then that ain't so on they us. Left yeah. Capital, they yeah. left their capital where it is. It's got 10 million people living in it. Mm-hmm. It's within artillery range of um, North Korea. So that means anything we do, they can open fire with just conventional artillery and kill 100,000 people in a day. Oh, yes. Easy. And and who wants that kind of blood on their hands? We don't. And Which is so, why it's got to happen there and not here, but sad to say. But Well. Sorry. It's, it's just frustrating. It, it's just a very frustrating problem. It's one of these damned if you do, damned if you don't. Now, if they start fu- shooting stuff at Guam. Oh, yeah. That might that, happen. That then, might then, happen. Then we're, then we're going to start shooting down their missiles and things like that. Uh, we're going to – I mean, if they start shooting at actual U.S. territory, uh, then that's a different – but just them testing stuff into the Sea of Japan. Sure. We can't really – we don't want to start another Korean War over there. I really don't. Yeah, I really don't want to see that either. I don't think anybody wants We're to see this go to war. The greatest discoveries in the world, if, you know, whether a one-world government or a multinational, we are on the verge of the greatest discoveries of mankind in our known history, and yet the days of the Martian Revolution are upon us. Yes, <laughs> and the other yes. path, Mike, again, the path thing, the other path is all-out war and prevention of all that. We're going to miss out on so much, so much. I know. So That's true. Um, so they, the, the, the North Koreans, if they start launching stuff at Guam, they, they'll basically start another Korean war. They're going to start it. I'm telling you, this is it's really concerning to me, and I know I'm not the only well, one Well, you know, uh, I'll, uh, you know, um, you know, Everybody who knows anything about that problem, it's just the worst we've ever seen it. Oh, yes. And, uh, but as far as the U.S. mainland being safe from nuclear attack from North Korea, I think we can ensure that. 
at least to within well, 99% probability. Yes, like Gary said, that, that I, is I really, really good I really believe that. Our technology is sufficient. We can shoot down anything they send over, and they know it. Have we tested that, though? Are we really that certain? Oh, that oh we could, yeah, we have. We could, we've, mm-hmm. tested, we've launched uh, ICBMs from um, Kwajalein and had them flying toward the California coast, and then we shot them down over Hawaii. That was we've a test not too that. long ago either, was it? It wasn't, that wasn't That's long right. ago. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've tested, we've tested this stuff. This. Okay. It works. It, uh, you know, it doesn't work every time. The problem is Obama but, scrapped all of that. Uh, Bush was in well, this. Well, no, uh, no, Obama no. He, did a lot he of actually, damage. he, he, uh, we have a lot of interceptors up in Alaska at Fort Riley and, uh, also at Edwards Air, uh, at Vandenberg Air Force Base and, um, We'll just have to build more. And like yeah, I said, guys, right. it doesn't need to work. It just needs to look like it's going to work. Right. And, and North Koreans are not going to waste any missiles. I mean, I don't the think they can afford they, to. They they can't think, afford to waste yeah. any missiles. And if, if, if they launch, let's say, oh, I'm sorry. Let's say I'm sorry. the North Koreans launch one or two missiles at the U.S. and we shoot them both down. That doesn't right. make them look very powerful, does it? No. Yeah, no. It makes them look like they're completely technologically outclassed. Right. But if and, one succeeds, uh, they, they're forever got a, a face. Well, it's, it's just it's a big ugly. mess. And, uh, yeah, right. so, so, but, mm-hmm. uh, they may start something on their own. See, that's why they what's may... more frightening, this scenario, that's our reality or what, or the case scenario, like in Morningstar Pass. I mean, you know, we're faced with oh, something. It, that has so much potential it's, that could be good for us and our planet that should inspire. The, the space race has still been on. Dr. J, it's been silent. You remember, I used to talk about the space race all the time. It's still on. Sure. The Chinese have their plans. Even Iran now wants to have their plans. I don't think it's a good idea, but I commend the vision and the spirit of what we need to embrace and what we need to really lead. We need America to lead us all into space. We, and Hawking's right there. We well, need to get into space. Yeah, I mean, that's all and fine fast. and, that's all fine and well. I, and I agree with you, Gary, but my goodness, we, we need to first somehow unite the people. It seems like, um, right, we're, we're right. still, look what happened Half earlier. Most of them want us dead. Look, Remember, look, they're being succumbed today by these nuts. Look, look what happened. To, either way, we have to take the lead and we'll have side friends and whatever we could participate. That's not what I'm talking about though, Gary. I, I'm, I'm talking about the whole, um, the, the whole protesting, uh, the protesters who were struck at, at this white nationalist uh, rally. I mean, oh, there's no, a there's a God. there's a civil uprising going on, and before we well, could even get to well, Mars or the moon, what they're doing and they're putting themselves in the maintenance of traffic. We we got to really we we really got to well, put something uh, here together to stop this sort of thing happening. The human the human race can't be really reformed. It, it, Remember it, what they were doing when the ark was built. A bunch of scoundrels, and about saying. the best you can do, the best you can do is change the subject of conversation. <laughs> Back to Mars. Going to That's Mars, so finding a dead civilization. <laughs> if there was any time to announce the discovery of a dead civilization on Mars by the Trump administration, it would be tomorrow. Actually, you know, it, I don't think it's too far with uh, someone like Trump. Either him or someone else may be better primed for that mindset to be that that disclosure president. I don't think so, man. That guy's just bought and sold like all of them. It's a... Uh, it's a let me tell you something. I raised two small children. Gary can attest to this. Yes. You know, I had to I raise know. two children from like 
six one was six months old and one was two years old and I raised them myself and one of the chief tools of being a parent is distraction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they get upset yeah. about something, hey, you, oh look look at this. <laughs> you know, so uh anyway, um I think that the the US government is preparing to announce that there is a possible dead civilization on Mars and they'll probably not talk about them being nuked immediately. They'll just talk about dead civilization right. and they'll mm-hmm. then they'll finally say, Oh, I guess it's true and they'll do that because they want to go to Mars. Now, if we go to Mars and the Chinese can't go because they don't have good enough rockets, how does that make us look? Makes us look. Does it make, wait, good. wait, wait. How does it make us look if we're able to go and they can't? Well, whoever gets there first, ain't that the old right. Adam, the old adage of mankind? Sure, that's what I thought. That, that's right. So, right. so there's, uh, you know, part of the space race was to demonstrate technological supremacy. When we landed on the moon and the Russians couldn't, that was a big psychological blow to them. And they shouldn't have the stopped space, there. The space shuttle. Most people think the space shuttle was just, you know, kind of an interesting toy adopted by NASA. No, it was a big psychological warfare weapon. The space right. shuttle could grab the Russian Soyuz capsule with its right. robot arm and tuck it into the cargo bay and take it back to its mommy. The Russians were so concerned about the space shuttle and its psychological implications, you know, because they're very conscious of propaganda. Right. They offered to give up a thousand nuclear warheads would scrap the shuttle. Interesting. And then they That's finally built one of their own. Whoa, 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 whoa. And notice what happened. And notice what's happening. Every time we go up there, we have to hop aboard their ancient craft. Oh, and, I know. I well, I think it was you. I think it was you that told me this a month ago. Well, that, let me oh. tell you something else. Let me you tell you something about else that. about the space program, you guys. <laughs> the space program. And Gary, you used to live in Florida. The Space Coast is votes Republican. The scientists and engineers who work in the space program, most of them are Republicans. Right. And guess what that means? That means if you want to carry Florida, if you're a Democrat and you want to carry Florida, what you do is you try and have as many layoffs in the space program as possible. That's horrible. So they shut down. As they the shut thing. down. Well, yeah, that's why I got laid off. Uh, yeah, okay. it was bullshit. Well, yeah, because it was, of, uh, you know Florida, my feelings on that. The, the people who win Florida in the presidential contest, mm. they usually win the election. Right. So so the space program is now also a political football. So the Republicans have – it's very much in their interest to pour money into a Mars program simply because it guarantees that they'll win Florida. Well, it seems they want more than Mars. They're talking about space, a space force. They're talking about even a six-figure income people to help defend against aliens. I mean, whether it's micro beasties or the big I, I know. You, I, it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, I find it incredible, Dr. Gary, 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 you know I never try to explain everything. That's how it goes. Show, right. One, you were on my show once, and you told me a story about the Russians' uh, capability and how – their feasibility and mindset was how you told me a story about the pen, how much money we spent on the pen and the Russians solved it by five cents. You told me what? They brought a pencil. <laughs> right? That's and, right. I mean, they, and that's basically you said well, that's kind of like do how that. our agencies work. Well, here, here, you know, 
Yeah, the right, we spent $5 million developing a pen that would write in, in uh, zero, zero gravity. The Russians just brought along grease pencils for their cosmonauts. <laughs> so they saved money that way. But when it came to funding their moon rocket, the N1, the U.S., the, the Russian government only gave the Russian scientists half the money they asked for. So the, the result of N1, you know, the moon, Russian moon rocket blew up over and over again. By the way, guys, it's getting really late for me. Yeah, it's, it's getting late. You've been here uh, a little over an yeah, hour. Yeah, it's getting pretty late. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I just got out of the hospital recently. Yes. So I'm going to have to, yeah. have to head, head, yes, uh, sir. head off to dreamland. Yes. Not, not, uh, not the <laughs> Site 51 dreamland. Understood, understood. Down the hall. Love that. Once again, thank you so much, Dr. John Brandenburg, for being on the program, and hopefully, well, thank you. It's a great honor. Yes, hopefully great we honor could to be on your program. Thank you so much. Hopefully we could touch base again in the near future. And before, yeah, I, I, oh, let, I believe we'll have more to talk about. Oh in the yes, near future. and before I let you go here, um, go ahead and plug anything you want. Your website, um, anything else? Well, you're free uh, to do the, so. The uh, the the great novel um, uh, Morning Star Pass: The Collapse of the UFO Cover Up is out on Kindle now, so anyone can download it. And uh, there's a sequel to it. Uh, called To Rule the Night, the UFO War. That's out also on Kindle. Then um, there's also Death on Mars, which is all of the evidence, the story of our investigation uh, that led to the discovery of a dead civilization on Mars. Someone apparently... By nuclear knew. warfare. By nuclear warfare. Right. Yeah. So those, a very those important things book. are out on Amazon.com and... Um, uh, anybody who wants to know what Congress, why Congressman Rohrabacher would ask NASA why if there's a dead civilization on Mars, it's because of my book. But that's you know, nice. Yeah. It's a good tag yeah. there. There you go. Okay, cool. guys, but I'm going to have to right, let you go tonight. Yes. And uh, it's been great talking. Get to you. some rest. Thank you so good night. Oh Take yeah, care. Uh, I, I, I uh, really better. talking to you in the Martian Revelation, my friends upon us, and I'm glad you're still this, around because you're a big part of it. I can already imagine my cardiologist frowning. Oh, yes. <laughs> I tell him how late I stayed up. Good night, my friend. But I enjoyed it. Yes, good night. I enjoyed it. Yes, take care. So, anyway, you guys have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless you. <laughs> and that was Dr. John Brandenburg, a great guest. A very fascinating material we, we discussed here, of course. And if anybody wants to call in, that number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. I definitely want to talk to you if anyone is still alive out there. Anyone with a pulse, go ahead and call <laughs> in. I, I'd like to talk to you. Well, we got, we got to scratch the surface on many things. He gave out some, uh, also some pertinent information. And like I said with Dr. J, you, you know, you got to read between the lines a lot, you know. Sure. Everything's, pol- everything's policy. And I think you've seen, Mike, what yeah. I was trying to say, right? Yeah, I understand. I've talked to many before and, and even through emails who they they still can't really disclose much. Right. So it's like anything we do get, you know, we, we have to try and figure things out. And, right. you know, especially when there's something that is there openly trying to figure out, like that guy's answer to that mm-hmm. congressman, blowing him off, you know, uh, you know, not even want to ask him. He gave him a little bit of an, question. he gave him a little bit of an attitude, huh? Yeah, big uh, time. And, and yeah. notice how he lowered his eyes up, but then he goes, <laughs> oh, well, uh, you know, we do need to know what's really going. Yeah, no kidding. At least he, he might have agreed that much, but he has to, abide and live like the bible of the policy that's set up for them that that's the whole conundrum with this and what i'm involved in and that's the only thing that makes sense mike is 
to what this acclamation thing that oh, I, I got Hoagland painted and describing. It, it has to. It's when look when all other possibilities are exhausted of what can answer for something, then you must consider the impossible. And we have a working model of that impossible model by what I'm putting forth, or should I say, what Hoagland really is? I'm just being the one used to be the catalyst. Which you know I don't mind, but at the same time I do because if all this rests on me for us to get this disclosure, and look like Charlie. Charlie won because he put out, he put down the Godstopper. I did not put this down. So if anyone wants to allude that like, I'm Charlie and I'm in some special place, I don't think so. Cause Charlie put it down. Like the monkey in the gorge, remember? The, the planet of the apes wanting his hand yes. on the gun. Using the symbology of the monkey. My hand is in the gourd on something shiny. I'm not letting go. And I know I'm trapped. But they're testing my intelligence and everyone else's. I'm not saying I don't have the intelligence to let go. You know, I, I don't. I, I don't want to let go. This I forgot about important. the whole um, Greater Treaty with President Eisenhower. Uh, uh, do you remember that? That allegedly happened. Uh, that, that he made with uh, the extraterrestrials after a meeting or two. Yes, back in 1954, yeah. allegedly. I forgot to bring that up. You, you ever uh, see that show, my, uh, Which like, uh, Dark Skies? Dark Skies, yeah, of course. Nah! Remember, I think it was the first or second episode. They gave us the best uh, alluded scenario that we haven't heard at that, at least at that point, of what Roswell actually was. This was an actual landing at this Roswell. The president was there. He basically said, shoot his ass down, because this guy, uh, this alien came in, or guy, eh, this alien, and he just, Lift floated out of his hand with some triangular. Mm-hmm. And isn't that funny? The symbol of the triangle again. Built into the cover story, the circle, the cover story of what we're watching. The triangle floating around where the president, all he had to do is touch it lightly as it floated. And he said, shoot that shit down and shoot that shit down. <laughs> right. They're not leaving nowhere. And people were like, why? And he goes, just do it. And then uh, they shot as the craft was taken off because they shot the alien or some crap. The ship uh, caught word, obviously, if they're symbolically, uh, symbiotically connected by uh, their brain waves, like, uh, you know, Corso and others said like the, the aliens had, that would be consistent. How would they, uh, they know the alien was shot? Easy, because the brain pattern connection, the fingerprint stopped. So the ship was to take off, and they shot, and they shot it with the uh, howitzer cannon or whatever it was, and it came down, and that was the Roswell crash. And because basically they were given Earth a, an ultimatum and a threat. Basically, to surrender everything, you know, it's over. And it was, oh, we're not letting this guy leave. You know, well, this thing leave. You know, get that craft down. So that <laughs> yes. put us up a model. I mean, Mike, you remember that show, right? Of I thought that was the most intense part of the whole series. Yeah, I was recently watching that not so long ago. Ain't it interesting? I mean, it's incredible. And like them, they had these parasitic uh inside these aliens, parasitic bugs. Now, what other shows with aliens are are – uh, having attributed these parasitic beings in Star Trek. I mean, not Star Trek, Stargate, right? And also First Wave. Stargate Remember was that? awesome, by the way. Stargate, right. But look at the consistencies. Love All right. That. So that if, if so much bull crap is mixed with truth, which is part of the Brooklyn, again, acclamation, uh, I think we're being told that these alien beings out there, they have parasitic beings inside them that are intelligent and that take over these races, like, like the, as the hosts. And therefore, that could have, could have maybe that that falls in also uh, 
with this UFO situation now. I mean, maybe that's part of the truth that we're being acclimated because what it's like, wouldn't they be biting off each other, meaning stealing each other's ideas, putting them just changing stories around and using them for different subjects? While yet each alien consistency, they have a bug in them. Now, what are we trying to be told? Remember that movie uh, Taken, the 12 part series or whatever it was? Yeah. What was that? The same damn thing. I was like, so I guess I'm the gathered by all this intel from all these half bull crap movies, you know, is that there are aliens. Uh, they could look like us because these parasitic beings can come into us too. You see where I'm going? I Maybe see that's hard, you know, I mean, does it, I mean, think about it, Mike. What do you think of the possibility? Uh, you know, I think that's incredible. It's, it's ah. very insane. And by the way, that reminds me, did you ever see the newer rendition of the film Alien? 27. 2017 uh, version of it. The remake from the original you're talking about? No, I, I haven't. I don't know if it's a remake exactly. I, I wouldn't call it's it a that. Remaster. Let's say a remaster. It's, you know, it, the director, he kind of added that Prometheus element towards the whole film. Oh, Titty. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I kind of have mixed. Seen Covenant. I recently seen Covenant. Yeah, was, that's the yeah. one. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, that's the one you were that's talking about. That's the one. Yeah, Alien Covenant. Right. Oh, that's what that's supposed to be? It was supposed to be a remake of a it's, different something of the same thing? It's kind of like Prometheus in a way. They they added those elements in there. Well, definitely. The when I see line. Prometheus, I was like, what the hell? I've seen that scene somewhere before. Yeah, you <laughs> know, family. I don't know if I liked it too much now that I'm thinking about I kinda it. I kind of didn't. I mean, it left a lot of things. Didn't, yeah. You know, they didn't really answer everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, so hopefully if there's more, you know, I don't see how they kind of the thing up. I mean, you know, I don't want to give it away. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't Ridley that Scott. Impressed, that, I, that's the director's name. Yeah, Ridley Scott. Yeah. Right. I mean, I was hoping that, you know, I, I, I am an Alien fan, though. I mean, you know, Aliens. There, there's my, not that many good Alien films, is there? No, not really. Not really, right? I mean, and it's like they're deliberately also not doing that. <laughs> I, I was going to say that, yes. Cops, uh, mobs, or guns, violence, kill. That's all we see now. I yeah, mean, that shit's, you know, that shit's awesome. Speed. Yeah. Where, where mm -hmm. the Imagineer department? They got that you shit know, on lock, but they don't have anything um, solid in, in the terms of UFOs. Yeah, why? and why? Because they don't want why, to run us Imagineering why? too much. You know, oh, by the way, by the way, Gary, I'm so glad we jumped on, on this subject because lots of times we talk about disclosure, this and that. And one of those people that is allegedly bringing that sort of disclosure is, is that musician from Blink 182. I heard. How do you feel about that guy? Uh, I just think it's a little odd. Well, I know this. Why? Look Look, look, why me? And what Tom, Tom DeLong. The why, the how. But think Jesus about this. Christ. Remember, acclamation is through books, movies, music. Like I said, even remember the comedy show, Frasier. They had Senator John Glenn come in, you know, because no one could officially do it. They had him scripted in that say, hey, people, yeah, what I encountered up there was very strange. It's worse than what people's nightmares. You know, I mean, real, that these things are real. But Tom and DeLong. Blink-182 singer? I, I just, I don't know, man. That's a little, a strange well, choice. 30 seconds to Mars. Strange they choice. Kind of symbolic and spot on with the Martian revelation. And they also seem to be Masonic. I know that the, those are controllers of the NASA and the space, uh, the space uh, knowledge is in the hands of the Masons. That much I'm, 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 I, I got from a fact, never mind from this code I'm involved with. That's obvious. But when you see it everywhere else, 
the, the Mason. So why wouldn't that be part of it? And that would help Brookings also for this technology, not just the added help they had by the, you know, those that know the mastery of the science of language that helped them make this for this acclimation down through time, meaning they had extraterrestrial help. Viking, and, and this, the Viking one mission, uh, the Viking one mission returned photos of the Martian surface back in 1976, I, I believe, correct? Onwards, 82. Here's something, Dr. Jay, I, I, I wanted, I'm glad you mm-hmm. brought that up because he confirmed to me some things, but here's one I will tell you that I can speak about. All right. Now he would say himself that the Viking uh, mission was mm-hmm. I processed them all. I was on the hunt for those faces because they're Viking error. It looks like it has the watermarks on it and everything. Not only does the watermark show there was water in the atmosphere because that's how it got in the lens at Mars. That's why we, uh, the 1976 images of Cydonia in the face and the DNM, you have like that round circle thing. That's not on the surface. That's a, that's a, a watermark that was a water drip inside the lens because it got in the lens for it to be there somehow. Uh, cause it didn't come around Zoop, uh, Earth's atmosphere. It was totally covered. When it got at Mars, it unpackaged. So there was nothing in it until it reached Mars' atmosphere. That tells us water was in the atmosphere. It got in, and it didn't just leave one. Cause I processed every Viking publicly given out by NASA, uh, raw image. And they only give it to you now out in the raw. They don't process them and give it to you. They, uh, why is that? I found many images missing from files. I found many files missing. Like you could tell just by their numbers, there's many missing. Or if you follow in sync, what the hell's wrong with that? This is a totally different area. Things were done. Now, I processed them. It took literally, people and Mike, a year and a half to process the entire folders of the CD layout that they give you from the Viking images. I processed them all. Not only were these faces not in there, Okay, only one, but we won't get into that now. That's another show, and I can show the data, and everyone can follow. It'll be a great, enjoyable show for you all. But but one of these main faces that's never been seen is not in any of them, no matter what size the image is. I looked, and I studied them, and I processed them by hand, each and every single one. I'm going to make a website to make that available to you all, because Hoagland certainly never did it. If he was true for the research, he would have, and others would have. No, I did it. NASA don't do it. Why not? Well, I'll do it. I'll make a site because it's history, too. Look, they're saying they lost all these films and uh, got deleted or destroyed from the moon. Bull crap. They're covering up their tracks. But aside from that, I have other Viking images that show there's one more, more than one watermark. I got images where there's like 12 different uh, watermarks, water drips in the lens. That one of Cydonia just happened to have one at that time. Now, Dr. John Brandenburg confirmed that at the end of the mission – Oh, the public mission. They went, they could have went most likely dark. That means they did. If you got learned to read between the lines with him tonight, you, and Mike, I know you did. You'll know what I'm talking about. He said that they did, in fact, lower the orbiter in the atmosphere to take more, better close uh, shots of things that they may have wanted to see. And now that's implicating because NASA doesn't tell you that. You feel me? Right. Now, how would he know? <laughs> okay, you well, see what I'm saying? So you know. he would know. And then when you bring stuff up like this to NASA, well, you know, you don't get an answer, never a straight answer. Yeah, our, our friend NASA, Dr. John Brandenburg knows a lot more than he's alluding here. Well, oh, he does. Of and course. that's why I said, in his novels. <laughs> of course. They're entertainment, and they're, they're interesting. It is because 
That's how it was all to be given to everyone's official. But look, I'm not official by nobody, under nobody. I was a person doing my own show who also happened to be a Mars researcher, who also happened to be an image analysis of the, the various space missions. You have three people rolled up in one. This code told me once I get these images and put them out, I'm supposed to. I'm considered at that point the public sector. This code also tell, details to me that I will continue to get images like this in a timely manner and that they're considered the private sector. <laughs> right. You get it? Yes. And, and that, well, there was, there was, I was told something else. Do not be like Hoagland, whatever that means. No offense, Rich. I hope we do get to speak, but I'm just being honest with everybody here. I wish you would too. But anyway, I know he's listening or he will, but I'll just say this, uh, that. Yeah, we got to get going. So go ahead. I'm the public sector and that as long as I could do whatever I want with them, I could do movies, books. Uh, it, it alluded to me how much things I could do, but I have to have it out in a timely manner. Being it out in a timely manner and having a job doing releasing certain data seems to be something I guess Mr. Hoagland either chose not to do or he's not doing or on the loophole for it to be done. Take that for whatever you want. And uh, there's no callers. I'm surprised. <laughs> they were They were a little scared. I believe a lot of them got turned away. Well, I didn't mean to do that, and they shouldn't. It's a serious subject, you know, and if that's meant to be as an insult to me, well, then how is it going to feel when the Martian revelation rolls right. over you? Right, And it, because it's coming. And you heard Dr. Brandenburg. He, he, he knows. He knows. That's why he laughs when he says the name. It, it's fitting. It's right on. And him and I, that's, I think it's because of that, where our differences, you know, brings us together and we're friends, you know, again. You know, I'm not trying to make myself out to be something I'm not, but I am who I am and I have a right to be. And it should be up to me whether I uh, fail with something or succeed with something. I got a reason to live for now. Someone gave me that reason to live, especially all the things that's been done. I didn't give up and I'm going to win. Right. So, Gary, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program here, Gary. Yes. And everything else will have the data with right. yes. their clap for the UFO cover up. Wink, wink, will happen. Yes, Gary. So I do want to thank you for being a part of the program, Gary, and I'll definitely talk to you in the very near future. Go ahead and, and give us a few words before we split All right, here. All right, www.thefacesofmars.com. Smoke them if you got them. You'll need them. It'll help your intelligence and open your consciousness. Again, the Martian Revelation radio show will be coming back, uh, anticipating sometime before the end of this year. It's a must. Uh, maybe that will be the catalyst too to help us all get the truth again. Cause maybe then that's what it'll take for someone to call in and anonymously or not and provide us what maybe, maybe they'll feel bad or maybe they'll just say now's the time. Whatever it is, disclosures upon us, the Martian revelations upon us. And Michael, you are the host of end of days and your end of days are going to be here. It will not be your end of days, my friend. Just stay true to yourself and stay true to your product, man. Was uh, believe it or not, you're walking, you think it's in your own steps, and buddy, it's already scripted. That's part of the disclosure about this, and I have to, but hey, we can face it. Because if we can face annihilation from the, from the Koreans or anyone else, or right. the Islamists, mm-hmm. what's more frightening? All right, guys, the end of days of the Martian Revelation or this nutty earth. All right, Michael, you're a good friend and a true brother, and uh, we'll talk soon. Hopefully you'll have me on again, and uh, let's rock. People oh, yes. out there, wake up. Love that. We'll talk very soon, and and good night, and stay safe out there. All right, bye-bye. 
And that was Gary the Mad Martian. Always a great guest. I'm looking at that time. Wow. We went a little late, didn't we? Again, I do thank all of you out there for listening in here. It's been a terrific night. I do want to thank Gary, and I do want to thank Dr. John Brandenburg, of course. If you are listening to this on a replay, keep in mind you can listen every Saturday night at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That's 11 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the TuneIn Radio app. Of course, if you enjoy this program and want to help keep the program expanding, go to michaeldeacon.com or endofdaysradio.org and donate a few dollars. I would appreciate it greatly. Also, this program completely depends on its listeners. That means you. So go ahead, be a friend, and share the show. Next week, I will return with Joseph Farrell. Looking forward to that. I'm Michael Deacon. Thank you for listening. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Sherry. Sweating in the cordage part now. I'm not that way. I'm not about a bad deal. Not about a bad deal. You mentioned the Illuminati, and you might go into it behind that, but the Illuminati certainly isn't part of the whole thing. The top members of the Illuminati are open worshippers. I could tell that all the mainstream media outlets were giving me, like, a very How appropriate. I wish I could be in that ring with Holden right now. It's crazy. I had no idea this shit existed. You, you know of course, I mean? you were you were a headline guy, I'm and still then a headline guy. You know what I mean? You, for a while, you popped out. Now you're coming back. For I a while, back. for a while, it's you were actually do, you you know know running.